Hey everybody, Peter Mancuso here from a little show called Now That's What I Call a Franchise. Maybe you've heard of it. Before getting into this week's episode, um, I just wanted to talk about some stuff going on. Um, we record our episodes you know, months in advance, but as of the release of this episode, uh, both the Writers Guild of America and the Screen Actors Guild uh, have gone on strike against basically all of mainstream Hollywood, uh, which is represented by the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. Basically, both unions are demanding their fair share of the profits that their hard work and uh, dedication produces for these, you know, multinational media conglomerates and uh, their overpaid CEOs. Now, when SAG went on strike, there were some questions around what counted as promotion, uh, something that could be considered crossing the picket line. Um, and there's been a lot of confusion and misinformation and mixed signals about this, uh, particularly for non-union members, um, even just covering older films released by these struck companies. And on our show, that's all we do, right? We've covered like three franchises owned by Disney, which I think speaks volumes about the state of the industry. Um, and now we're focusing on Batman, which of course is owned by Warner Brothers. So what do we do? Well, after sifting through all the information the best we could, we've decided to continue our release schedule as planned. Uh, we're not doing this out of laziness. Uh, if anything, delaying our schedule would actually give us more time that we desperately need uh, to watch these films and record our thoughts. But by releasing our episodes as planned, uh, we at least have the chance to insert this intro uh, and make it clear in no uncertain terms, Viviana and I and the New Arts Workshop stand with workers above and below the line, striking or not, unionized or not. And we're not going to remove this intro from our episodes until the studios satisfy the union's demands. If you want to help the cause, post about it on social media or donate to each union's respective strike funds. Alone, we can't do anything. Together, we can change everything. All right, I'm getting off my soapbox now. Time for the show. You're listening to the New Artist Workshop. Welcome back to your favorite podcast. Now, that's what I call a franchise. I'm Peter Mancuso. And I'm Peter Mancuso. No, I'm just kidding. What? <laughs> and I'm Viviana... Thank you for clarifying. You're just kidding. <laughs> and I'm Viviana Metzger, and this is the show where Peter and I pick a film franchise and go through every single installment. Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Not and the film, but the in the franchise. Mm-hmm. And to be clear, we're defining... The, the, the installment. Yes, I know! <laughs> and to be clear, we're defining a franchise as a series of films with at least four entries. So, Viviana, what are we talking about today? So today we are talking about the 1989 film, Batman. And, of course, this is your one and only spoiler warning, so if you haven't watched the movie, go do that before listening to this episode. And where did we watch it? On HBO Max? Yeah, from, from this point forward... Almost everything, if not everything, is on is going to be on HBO. Yeah. Max. Okay. Um, because we're like in a modern era, and I think at this point, Warner Brothers produced everything. 
from this point forward. Yeah, so go watch it on HBO Max or Max or whatever the hell it's called now. Um, (laughs) But yeah, go see that. Um, Let's get into it, dude. All right, so give us the letterbox score. This is your job now. So, I know. Oh, okay. (laughs) The Dark Knight of Gotham City begins his war on crime with his first major enemy being the clownishly homicidal Joker, who has seized control of Gotham's underworld. Ooh, that's a pretty good blurb. Letterbox blurb, I think. I like clownishly homicidal. Yeah. I've been referred to as homicidally clownish. What? (laughs) So let's talk about some basic info of the movie, okay? So this was directed by Tim Burton. Tim! Really, obviously, famous director. But at the time, this was only his third feature film. After Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Beetlejuice. Mm. Beetlejuice, I think, being the most obvious like parallel from that to this. Mm-hmm. Just that they're both kind of spooky-ish yeah, in parts. Yes, yeah. And also, Michael Keaton is in both. As the title character in both. Is he? Yeah, oh, Michael he's, Keaton he's is, is, is Beetlejuice. Oh, Beetlejuice. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> Know he looks like he's got all that crap on his no, face. No, that's, that, that's Michael Keaton. Anyways, um, you know, was, you know, Pee Wee got arrested for indecent exposure. Yeah, I think he was like masturbating at a theater or something, right? Yeah. Well, apparently, it was a well. You see, I don't understand. You're gonna make an adult theater and show these films. That's why they existed. Because <laughs> you couldn't watch it at your own house. <laughs> what? what are you supposed to do? Watch it and then log it all in your brain and then go home and no. <laughs> they had to have had. You know, they had to have had, you know, some inkling that that would yeah. happen. Anywho. Yeah, anyway. Michael Keaton. I'm done, 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 I'm done defending masturbation in adult theaters now. No. Um, it was written by do Sam it, Ham. Do it decently. Yes. Sam Ham. Sam Ham and Warren Skarin. Um, Ham wrote a, a, co-wrote a movie called Never Cry Wolf. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what that is. And Skarin co-wrote Beverly Hills Cop 2. Oh. And Beetlejuice. What? So it's kind of a connection there. Okay. Um, produ- it was produced by John Peters and Peter Goober. Mm-hmm. Um, two Peter-ish names there. Yes. Um, John Peters, his producing kind of claim to fame, he had <laughs> produced the, the 70s version of A Star is Born with, with Barbara Streisand, mm-hmm. as well as The Witches of Eastwick and Caddyshack 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and Peter Goober had also co-produced with him Witches of East- Eastwick and Caddyshack 2. Um, it was distributed by Warner Brothers. Again, this is going to be the, whether it be Warner yes. Brothers. Two, not also. What did I say? <laughs> no. Caddyshack 2 is in the second installment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sorry. Um, distributed by Warner Brothers. Again, going forward, either Warner Brothers or like Warner Home Media or some other kind of division of Warner Brothers is, is going to be the one making these movies. Um, it was released in June of 89. So like peak 80s nice. summer blockbuster era nice. for sure. Um, it was made for a budget of about $48 million, and it grossed about $412 million, um, no. which I believe is the second highest percent return no. of any of these movies. Um, so it was very, very successful, hugely mm-hmm. successful, especially uh, in terms of merchandising. Um, oh, merchandising was huge, 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 huge. Um, I wonder what those look like. I wonder if we could find them. Probably can, right? Oh, yeah, like yeah. scary, like... <laughs> well, it's not just costumes. It might be action figures or lunchboxes just with the Batman logo. Like, no, it doesn't have to be a people. I, I was thinking... No, I know. I was thinking... I was thinking, like, plush... Plush toys. Are you drinking my water? Yeah, I just stole some of her water. Um, 
<laughs> Thank you <Sorry>. for clarifying. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean. Um, no, I was just thinking of like like stuffed dolls, but I guess all that too. Yeah, the, like, I think more the so like pails. boy stuff. Boys don't want to play with plush dolls. Batman's for boys. Well, there's plush dinosaurs, you know. Yeah, but now you gotta. All the kids are woke now. No. They're all snowflakes no. now. No, you wanna you wanna go to sleep with Batman? You know you don't wanna. Just... <laughs> Vicky Vale went to sleep with Batman. <laughs> no, I just mean you don't always want an action figure because you can't cuddle an action figure without poking yourself in the eye or something. So had you seen this before? Yes. <laughs> you had? Okay. So so tell us about your previous experience with the movie. Um, like, what do you remember about Did you remember liking it? or? Because uh, I only had seen it one time, and I wasn't super into it. I saw it as a kid. Mm-hmm. You'd think I'd be, like, the perfect audience for it. And I was like, eh, it's fine. Um... Honestly, I don't remember many details of my experience with it, but I do remember it. Um, Once again, I think I have mashed some memories together. Um, So I also thought this was the one with with Penguin, but... Penguin? Yeah. You said Penguin. Penguin. (laughs) Who cares? People, you... I care! People in Boston say khakis for car keys. Yeah, well, that's how it's spelled. No, no. I'm just joking. <laughs> anyway, shut up! Anyway. No, Danny DeVito is the penguin to the next one. Yes, yes, yes. But I do remember the museum scene. Um, and the restaurant. Because we were like, yes. We were, we were both like before, we were like, oh, this is the one with the restaurant. I was like, no, it's like a museum. There's a restaurant in the museum. Yes, so, so we were both right. So I, yes, I. <laughs> It happens so often. It's so annoying. Um, but, yeah. So not the museum, but the restaurant scene when they're upstairs. Um, yeah. So that, and then, of course, uh, just, you know, the guy. What's his name? I forgot his name. Oh, Jack Nicholson. Um, yeah, I... The guy. I He's a really... Prolific, acclaimed actor, and you reduced him to the guy. I would... Well... <laughs> thinking about something else. <laughs> Anywho. Um, no, yeah. So, of course, Jack Nicholson, um, I think primarily because he scares me. <laughs> I'm a grown woman and yeah. I'm scared of Jack Nicholson. Uh, even when he's not the Joker. Yeah, even when he's not <laughs> the Joker. I don't know. He's just something about his face and his eyebrows that just this seems creepy to me. It yeah. just seems very... Because less than a decade before Please. this, he's doing The Shining. Right. Yeah. Which I feel like is like basically his Joker audition. Yes. Almost in a yes, way. Yes, definitely. And, and he he's definitely scary. I think he's scarier in that role than he is in this one. Um, but yeah. Well, because that one's just straight terror. Yeah. Whereas this is like he's scary, but he's also like kind of funny. Yeah. But I, he has I such a presence. Say, I will say. Watching this now, I mean, I know we're gonna watch the the newer ones later, but <laughs> watching this now in comparison with the newer stuff, like I kind of liked a little better because he was more jokery and less like just mentally ill. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, but, but do you, no, that's fair. Do, that's fair. Do you yes. see what I'm saying? Like, like, like with um. The licking man. Oh, Heath. Heath Ledger. Oh, because he like licks his lips sometimes? Yeah, he licks. The licking man. 
licking man who died. The licking man who died. Anywho, like with Keith Ledger, like it's like he looks silly, but it is just being scary. And like it's a very disturbing performance. Yeah, and then also with Joker, like he's just being scary, you know? Um where it's like in like the laughing or like the jokerness is like like uncomfortable. Where this is like I don't know. I just, I just kind of like this one more. It was like a little little bit more fun, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I've seen this and I remember bits and pieces of it. Um, do you remember? Yeah. How did you, do you remember how you felt? Like, did you like it? Did you really like it? Or I guess not enough uh, to revisit it ever. Well, like I said, I don't know how many times I have seen it, but um, yeah, I mean, I think I remember liking it. Um, again, I think I'm. Primarily thinking of the next one, because um, the Catwoman's <laughs> in that one. Yeah, I don't know something about Penguin. It was just like <laughs> from, from what I heard, because I have not seen Batman Returns, which is the the one after this. The next one, yeah. I have not seen it, but from what I've heard, it quality wise is better, mm-hmm. but it was darker, so it didn't do as well financially. Mm. And then that kind of inspired then the one after that, Batman Forever, was, like, very colorful, very goofy. Mm. Like, very... It was almost kind of like the 60s stuff. Yeah. Um, better better in story or I think just production? I, I don't know. That's that. Oh, oh, oh. But, but, yeah, I saw this yeah, when I was... Uh, I, I saw this when I was a kid. This is... I'm going to file this under movies that I, for some reason, got a DVD of, but don't know why. Like, maybe, I, maybe, maybe I think someone maybe give like, someone, yeah, someone must have given it to maybe me, like, for a birthday or Christmas or whatever, like, um, and I watched it and was kind of, like, lukewarm about it. Um, oh, really? And I don't think I'd seen the Dark, so it, the Dark Knight or Batman Begins, like, I think I saw this pretty young, so it's not like I was comparing it to, like, other Batman stuff. Mm-hmm. I was just not into it, really, as a kid. I don't, I don't, I remember not really caring for, like, the tone or, like, mm-hmm. the plot or anything. But here's the thing. There's been plenty of movies, and this is, like, one of the joys of movies, yeah. is, like, I might have that experience watching something when I'm, like, eight, and yeah. then revisit it, and, like, not only do I like it, but it's, like, like oh, this is incredible. Yeah. Or, or the reverse. Yeah. I think I feel exactly the same way as I did when I was, like, eight years old. Oh, really? I, kinda, I can kind of like do without this one. I, I, it's a net positive. Really? But it's a net positive for me, but I'll, I'll just spoil it now. Like, I think it's okay. It's just, like, <laughs> it's it's fine, there's stuff I really like, mm-hmm. but if I never saw it again, I'd be like, eh, okay, like, whatever. Well, I yeah, I don't think it, it's a continuously go back to kind of thing, um, but I don't know. I also put on Bullet Train in the background while I'm working, so <laughs> who knows? Um, but yeah. That's, I, that's, a, that's I think Bullet Train's better than this movie. What? Well, hold on. I like Bullet Train. No, Bullet I, Train I, I like Bullet Train, yeah. Um, anywho, um, yeah, I guess we just have, like, different opinions in that sake because, uh, like, I think when I was a kid, I thought it was a lot cooler than I think it is now just because, like, now I notice, like, that he can't turn his neck or, like, you know, just, like, the silly... The wire when he's gliding. They don't even try to hide it. (laughs) The wire. Which I'm not someone to really care about that stuff. That's not why I don't it's, like the movie that much, but it, that's just funny, like, where it's, yeah. like, you, you really see the the edges. No, yeah, it's just, like, the... Well, see the stitches, I should say. St- yeah, it's just, like, the, um, what did I say? The, yeah, it's, like, internal noise. It's, like, I don't, I don't really care, but, like, 
if a glass is like empty or like almost empty in one shot and then it's full in the next shot then it's like something that I think about you know so it's, you, you really <laughs> notice that stuff yeah I, so so it's not like oh oh my gosh there's a wire like obviously he's on a wire but it's just like oh lol like well, it takes you out of the experience that's something that we're not supposed to see you know or yeah. not normally see um but that's also interesting what you say about like tone because so do you just feel that way about tim or just this movie because i'm a big tim fan and i i i i like the not, maybe tone is the wrong word like the style it's no well that's one of the things that i think i think one Very of my style the things that i like about it are directorial mm-hmm like, and, and we'll get into the, like, I have a lot of uh, research and background on this that I want to get into. So we'll definitely, we're, we're, we're going to cover our opinions on it. But just to kind of give you a little appetizer. I just mean, I just mean, like, style-wise. Like, I like the style. Like, I like the aesthetics. I like, it's mm. it's more like the story. Mm. Like, I think the script is pretty flat. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, I, I, I don't find myself feeling very invested. Mm-hmm. Really. There, um, there were some things that I was like. That was kind of like pulling me out, um, like like we were talking about. We were trying to figure out. I I remember her now from the restaurant scene and her taking off the mask, but for like twenty minutes I couldn't figure out if Vicky Vale was the rich guy's girlfriend or not. Like the blonde because lady, yeah. they both have long blonde hair. And, and they both I, have similar fit. They they do kind of look similar. I know that's silly, but like. We barely it's reverse see, racism. No, we barely see her, first of all. And second of all, I thought it was weird because there's a bunch of, like, Vogue-like shots that are all hung up in the apartment that they're in, you know, uh, Jack. And then, and I don't even know her name. The other, mm-hmm. the lady, the girlfriend. Um, Vicky Vale? No. Oh, the actress. And then, oh, oh, yeah. and then later they introduce Vicky Vale, but they're like, oh, like, one of the things she used to do was, was shoot for Vogue. So it was like, oh, like that has that, you know. It's there were all those portraits in the presumably girlfriend's place. Yeah. the same person because of the connections, but apparently not. No. no. Um, and then oh, what was the other thing? Uh, oh, and then some of the stuff like I just I don't know I didn't understand like how, I guess like the bullet ricocheting off, so it just like went through his face, like. What are you talking about? Or what? The Joker when he was when he was getting turned into the Joker like, like no I um, think he I think he got smacked with some chemicals before he fell into the big pool of the chemicals and that's why his face was see all but it's up. unclear it's it's not the best action especially for the because you could <laughs> see that they wanted to be making this movie in two thousand like like mm-hmm. the effects like the like the state of visual effects and just it wasn't there yet yeah right so and I think I that so. does speak to like his costume like he's pretty immobile <laughs> you know so it's it, they they lean a lot on like the camera angles and the cutting yeah. to make the action a little bit more he's, exciting he, I think he he definitely is more of a presence yeah. compared to the Christopher Nolan ones where the know. whole thing is that like. And this is partially from the comics, but the whole thing about the Christian Bale ones is that he's like he's basically a ninja. Like, yeah. He was trained by ninjas, basically. Yeah, so, yes, the man so, the so those snow. versions are, the man in the snow. especially once you get to the Dark Knight, because even Batman Begins, he has a thing where he can't turn his head really. Yeah. So that's even they they Which literally make fun fine. of it. In, they make fun of it in the Dark Knight. So he has the old costume on before, mm-hmm. and then early in the beginning, he's talking to Morgan Freeman's character, Lucius Fox, who makes him the stuff, mm-hmm. and he's like, "I have some ideas," and he's like, "You want to be able to turn your head." 
So then, but then his new costume, he's able to. It's oh, like. Oh yes, that's right. He does make all the gadgets. So um, so that that aids in making the action a little bit more dynamic. But yeah. But what I was gonna add is. Which um, is fine. I'm not. I'm not harping on it for that reason. But it's yeah. just like now watching it, knowing yeah. that you know, it's like oh, like well, that. lol. We, we I've talked about this in previous episodes. My my theory on every every main Batman movie reflects the political climate of the time. Yes, but another thing that all the mainline Batmans are is that they always, you know, redefine how dark Batman can be. Uh, right. Yes. So like you have the '60s one, right? Which obviously no one really took seriously, and then you get this one, and people were like, "Finally, Batman's serious." And then, yeah. and then you go back and watch it, like, oh, it's kind of silly. But then the Christopher Nolan ones come out, and you go, oh, Batman's finally serious. And then you go back and watch those, and the and the climax of Batman Begins is, he's good boys in the water supply, <laughs> right? So then you're like, we get to the Robert Pattinson one, it's like, now Batman's serious. And I'm sure in 15 years, we'll look back at the Robert Pattinson one, and it'll be silly, right? So silly. there's always oh. this, there's Maybe. always, like, this sliding scale Maybe of, like, execution, but the most, know. the most serious, it's, like... It's definitely, I think, objectively, it's gotten more dark but i mean stylistically maybe yeah. it is no i don't mean i don't mean it's, it, it is getting darker but like there's still things about it that are silly mm-hmm. is is the thing that yeah. it's like we always think we finally cracked it yeah it's like we have the non-silly batman but we forget it's a dude running around like a bat so it's always gonna be silly yeah there's you, nothing unsilly about that premise you kind of forget like if he's not in like his cool body armor or whatever that he's just a dude like in a halloween costume Dressing up, basically like, yeah, running around yeah <laughs> and also like i guess i i don't know about any of the movies going forward but all the ones that i can think of don't include him but um I guess like what we were talking about in the last episode or yeah in the last episode or so um they they just kind of like do away with with robin that's the thing is they like like i said um um ignoring any like potential animated movies that like i haven't yeah. seen most of these that we're gonna watch robin <laughs> is probably only maybe in five of them tops yeah so i'm trying to think so he was in the, the three serials or the, excuse me, the two serials the, the adam west one mm-hmm. so that's three he will be, I believe, in Batman. He's definitely in Batman and Robin, the one from the nineties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he may be in Batman Forever. I don't know if they introduce him there. Um, and then maybe shows up in an animated thing or two. He's like the Lego Batman movie. Oh yes. yes. So not many, but if we're talking like almost forty movies, like yeah. over three dozen movies, that's not. A lot. That's not a lot. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, but I'm really surprised that. This Robin was actually going to be in this. I'll talk about my research. They had, oh. And up to the very, like, right before shooting, they cut the character. Oh, really? Yeah, it was a whole... Do you want me to get into some research here? Well, well, I was going to say... I'm, oh. I'm sure you have something on it, but... Um, oh, literally the first bullet. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm so surprised, because what was, what was the last one? 66? And this is 89. That's like... Like twenty three years of like no Batman, and I don't think there was I even any was other like TV shows show. really. Oh, I thought you said the show was running. No. Yeah, but that ended by like the late sixties. Mm. So besides syndication and what was that? maybe that was like some live? animated like Super Friends, like was, Justice League kind that, of thing. Was that live action or was that animated? the Adam West one? Oh yeah. yes, the Adam West. Okay, so there I'm saying no it's not animated. No, oh, that came out in the nineties. That that comes out basically in response to the success of this. Um, Almost, and we'll get we'll get to that because, yeah. like I said, we're not going to cover the show, but mm-hmm. the show had a movie. 
Yeah. So I figured I would throw in some research about like the show. Yeah. Like, as well, kind of like because like without um, the like the Adam West one. I was um, exactly yeah. I was kind of worried about doing anything tied to the show, but I watched some of the show, and it's like. As long as you kind of have an understanding of Batman, you can kind of watch any episode out of order. Like, there's not really, like, is a that, strong is continuity. Is that the one you were watching? Or, yeah. Or was yeah. that, a, like, a newer... No, no, that's the old one. That's, that's the one? Okay. Which, hot take, I think it's fine. It's, people are like, <laughs> it's, like, one of the greatest pieces of anime. Like, it's really slow. Maybe it gets better. I've, like, watched 30 episodes of this show. It's pretty boring. I'm sorry. I'm kind of bored. Oh, my God. But anyway, um, the Anywho, movie's supposedly so, really good that they made. But that, anyway. So, I don't know. I'd Maybe... I mean, obviously, as we can see, like, you know... Well, you can see. They can't see. Well, I, have uh, well, oh, well, I just get, you know... In like, the late 1970s, Batman's popularity was waning. <laughs> just now you have the context of the first bullet. You yeah, yeah, so I guess, you know, the interest waxes and wanes, but... I this know. is also... I, I still just think that's interesting. That's just, like, mm. a really long time, it just seems like. Like, not even just, like, one yeah. other one? Like... I, I could be slightly off about the years, but again, this is also a, a long period where comics, as a business and art form, are also kind of waning. Like, there's, mm-hmm. like, the golden age of comics, and there's something called, like, the silver age, mm-hmm. where it's kind of, like, <laughs> just weird shit was going on, and then, yeah. like, like, the... The popularity was definitely waning. So it's not just Batman, like, in film. Like, just this character. People were, like, kind of... Because most people's understanding of the character was the Adam West show. Yeah. Right? So... Well, and I'm also... uh, I will point out that I am saying that with the bias, or I guess with the lens more so, of the time we're in now, which is, like, hyper superheroes you know like <laughs> it's become the dominant it's like the thing of, of yeah whereas yeah. like beforehand it, it, you know. so it's starting to wane it's starting to reach a critical mass and it's starting to yeah kind of wane on that but yeah. i don't know we could but anyway but that, that wasn't like the main thing in the 70s and 80s no but that's something i was trying to, we were talking about when we talked about indiana jones right so things like jaws and star wars really kicked off like the blockbuster era mm-hmm. but blockbusters were different back then than, to, than today because yeah. back then it was just a blockbuster was just like a really expensive movie mm. where you put all your money into it hoping that you would make a lot of tickets a like pole. no exactly tent, tent right like E.T. wasn't based on anything yeah. it was a blockbuster right mm-hmm. this is that era right where it's like this happens to be based on something but it wasn't necessarily successful because of that if anything it was successful in spite of the IP because people had such a not bad taste <laughs> but just a different it wasn't like a I thought... serious action character I in film, something is a blockbuster based on response, but it's no, it is, based but on money. no, it is based off the response. But like the idea is that you're making it to hopefully be a blockbuster. Huh. Like you're specifically pouring all this money in you, because you think you. you're able to make it up. You're not going to put a hundred million you. dollars into something like Moonlight, as yeah. great as it is, because it's not going to make enough money to break to make a profit. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, that's why they'll put like you know like one of the Star Wars sequel movies was like three hundred million dollars. Because they know it's going to make like $2 billion or whatever it is, right? Yeah. They, they know that they'll be able to make money off of it. But That's a lot of money. Um, let me let me do some background here. Yes. To give you a sense of what's going on. Yes, please. So, I don't know if you knew this, but in the late 70s, Batman's popularity was waning. <laughs> I might have heard it. Like a waning moon. I might have heard it a um, time or two. Producers Benjamin Melnicker and Michael E. Uslin purchased the film rights of Batman from DC Comics in 1979. It was Uslan's wish to, quote, make the definitive, dark, serious version of Batman. The way Bob Kane and Bill Finger, who who created the character in yeah. the comics, um, the way they had envisioned him in 1939, a creature of the night stalking <laughs> criminals in the shadows. Um, well, what's funny about that? <coughs> oh, God. 
to cut that out. No, it's really loud. Um, Uslan was unsuccessful with pitching Batman to various movie studios because they wanted because the studios wanted the film to be similar to the campy 60s television series. Yeah. So like okay. again they they had a very narrow idea of like what Batman could be on screen. Yeah. Whereas Uslan's he's really trying to push for like a darker like more true to like the origin of the character. Mm-hmm. Um, a disappointed Uslan then wrote a script titled Return of the Batman to, to give the film industry a better idea of his vision for the film. Uslan later compared its dark tone to that of the successful four-part comic book, The Dark Knight Returns, oh. which his script predated by six years. Um, hmm. So, to um, can I give some context on The Dark Knight Returns? Um, it's a very influential Batman story. It um, comic book run. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was actually an animated adaptation of it that we'll get to at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of fits into this era of 80s comics, like after like the really silly 50s, 60s, 70s, yeah. with, um, employing what people have termed like grim dark. The idea mm-hmm. where it's like everything has to be gritty and dark, whatever. And sometimes it wasn't, sometimes things were still good, but a lot of things were just grim and dark for its own sake. Mm-hmm. So you see, like, Watchmen being written in this era. Mm -hmm. Some, like, you know, other stuff. You have Frank Miller doing stuff, like, over at Marvel. I feel like, Um, like, whenever I... I think Frank Miller wrote The Dark Knight Returns. We also talked about Frank Miller. He wrote um, (laughs) some Daredevil comics. He wrote... I believe he wrote the run of Wolverine in Japan. I think Mm -hmm. we talked about Frank Miller way, way back when we did the Wolverine. Yeah. um, but anyway, so just a little bit of con. What were you gonna say? You look uh, like well. I I think more film noir, like forties, fifties. Well, I guess forties. Um, like kind of a, a wannabe pseudo like detective type mm-hmm. thing. Um, not so much like gritty and dark. Like I don't yeah. know. I don't know. But I guess that's just me. But um, I guess that's that's what I envision like uh-huh. like Batman being. You know, because like. That's why I like the Robert Pattinson one, because it's mostly like a mystery movie. Like, he's like solving crimes and riddles yeah, and stuff, cause, right? Yeah, because he's, not, he's but, not like a superhero, like, you know, in in a like super sense, right? <laughs> like, in a, like in a Superman sense, right? He doesn't have uh, any powers. He doesn't have yeah. any powers, so he's just, you know, he's just a dude. So, you know, he may... You know who else, he, doesn't have, you know who else didn't have any powers? Hmm. The first responders at 9-11. What is that and they're happening? And they are heroes. <laughs> of course, I'm just saying. Oh my god, I'm just saying that. I agree. With you. I, I don't. I, I see your. I don't know what that, point you're I, I think that having the super silly is is maybe a too silly. But then the other extreme then, is like super. Dark. Yeah, yeah, the extreme of him, you know, just being. I don't even know how you would even call that. Like an antihero. Yeah, like an anti-hero, yeah, like an anti-hero, and like kind of just like yeah. all up in his feels and stuff, like. Maybe a little bit, but like I, I just feel like those are two extremes where like yeah. he could be like more in the middle. Like yes, obviously something is like wrong with him as he's been traumatized and now he is a grown man who dresses as a bat. Mm-hmm. Um, but like he's also like kind of trying to do law outside of the law, mm-hmm. like what we were talking about like last Before, yeah. in the last episode. We've talked about right? probably every episode. Yeah. Yeah, so so I think like it would be more sophisticated than than just like oh, I gotta go save the day, yeah. you know? Like I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, this movie is nothing like The Dark Knight Returns, but just to give you a sense of again, like 
they kind of compared it to that in terms of like what they wanted like it to be darker. So if I can, I'd like to read this little paragraph summarizing the, the basic premise of The Dark Knight Returns. It tells an alternative story of Bruce Wayne who at 55 years old returns from retirement to fight crime and faces opposition from the Gotham City Police Force and the US government. The story also features the return of classic foes such as Two-Face and the Joker and culminates with a confrontation with Superman who is now a pawn of the government. So it's like it's a lot more complex. I think was like the point is Why that Usley wanted. Why old? Because he breaks the hip. In November of '79, producers John Peters and Peter Goober, you may have heard of them, uh, they joined the project. <laughs> the four felt it was best to pattern the film's development after that of Superman, the 1978 Christopher Reeve film, um, which was kind of like the first real super mo- superhero film film that wasn't like a yeah. serial, yeah. right? Or the Batman. The one with Marlon. Brando, right? As Jor-El, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, though no movie studios were yet involved, the project was publicly announced with a budget of $15 million in 1980 at the Comic Art Convention in New York. Eventually, Warner Brothers, the studio behind the successful Superman film franchise, decided to accept and produce Batman. Because again, this is before they DC owned the rights. Oh, excuse me, Warner Brothers bought DC. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, so it just so happens that they produced it. Um, Tom Mankiewicz completed a script titled The Batman. No, that was come out till 2022. Um, in June of 83, focusing on Batman and Dick Grayson's origins. Dick Grayson is Robin. Yeah. Um, the Batman was then announced in late 83 for a mid-1985 release date on a budget of $20 million. Uh, just for context, the final film was like $48 million. So we're getting more and more expensive <laughs> oh. as we go. Um, another, a number of filmmakers were attached to the script, including Ivan Reitman and Joe Dante. Uh, Reitman had directed Ghostbusters. Joe Dante had directed Gremlins. Um, so these were kind of interesting picks for the material. Um, and Reitman wanted to cast Bill Murray as Batman and Eddie Murphy as Robin. What? Uh, nine. That would, that would be far too silly. <laughs> not, nine rewrites were performed by nine separate writers. Jeez. Uh, after the financial success of Pee-wee's Big Adventure in 85, Warner Brothers hired Tim Burton to direct Batman. Burton had then-girlfriend Julie Hickson write a new 30-page film treatment, uh, Invisible Labor. I bet you didn't get credit for that. <laughs> um, feeling He felt that the previous script by Mankiewicz was too campy. Uh, so speaking of The Dark Knight Returns, the comic book, so the success of that and the graphic novel Batman, The Killing Joke, which is also kind of like a dark Batman story, what? written by Alan Moore, who did Watchmen, right? The success of these comic book runs that portrayed Batman a little bit more darker and more gritty, it rekindled Warner Brothers' interest in a film adaptation. At this point, it was kind of like really? languishing. It was kind of languishing. They wanted to, they wanted to back that? Yeah, they wanted, they, they saw something, that there was interest darker. in Batman being like... Oh, kind of cool. Mm. Batman could be cool. Because he wasn't cool. He was Adam West running around going like, Groovy, Batman. Groovy, oh, Robin. He was, he was cool. um, just from context on The Killing Joke, which was also adapted into an animated film, so we'll get there. Mm. Uh, the Killing Joke provides an origin story for the supervillain, the Joker, presented via flashback, mm. um, while simultaneously depicting his attempt to drive Jim Gordon insane oh. and Batman's desperate attempt to stop him. Um, Burton was not initially a comic book fan, but he was impressed by the dark and serious tone found in both of those comic book runs. Um, Burton approached Sam Hamm, a comic book fan, to write the screenplay. Hamm decided not to use an origin story, feeling that flashbacks would be more suitable and that, quote, unlocking the mystery would become part of the storyline. So it is interesting how I think it's only Batman Begins do we really get a proper origin story for Batman in any of these live action films anyway. Right? Uh, I guess so, yeah. Because the Robert Pattinson one, he's younger, but he, he's been on the prowl for like two years. That's like the whole idea is that he's like a new Batman, 
But it's not day one. Yeah, yeah. Um, honestly, yeah, I think so. I can't think of any other one, like, seeing him as a kid. Like, Batman Begins, like, it's literally... Like, you may have flashbacks to certain movies. Like, this one has a flashback. No, no, not the flashbacks, but, but like... The, the whole point of that movie is about setting up his origin. Right, it's literally called Batman Begins. It's not Batman continues to do what he's been doing, you know. So <laughs> Batman perseveres. Um, um, so like I said, they wanted to kind of unlock the mystery. He reasoned that quote, "You totally destroy your credibility if you show the literal process by which Bruce Wayne becomes Batman." Um, Christopher Nolan would beg to differ, and that one's like one of the greatest movies ever made. So, uh, Warner Brothers was less 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 willing less willing to move forward on development despite their enthusiasm. For Ham's script, which Bob Kane, who created the character, um, greeted with positive feedback. Oh, um, that's cool. So the creator was like, I like this. Yeah. At so, this point, these dudes were still alive. That's right? That's kind of interesting, sign. right? Yeah. It's like weird because like Superman like is almost a hundred years old. Like the character. He was he first debuted in yeah. nineteen thirty eight. Hmm. And what is it? Oh, so, wow. so so about eighty five years old, the mm-hmm. character. Um whereas at this point, it's like maybe fifty years by that point. So so, the same was... It was the same for Stan. And now he's dead. Now he's gone. That is true. No, Stan. Um, Batman was finally given the green light. The movie, not the character. Batman was finally given the green light <laughs> to commence pre-production in April of 88 after the success of Burton's Beetlejuice the same year. So that kind of helped, like, re-juice everything up, right? <laughs> um, yeah. When comic book fans found out about Burton directing the film with Michael Keaton starring in the lead role, controversy arose over the tone and direction Batman was going in. Ham explained, quote, they hear, team, uh, they hear Tim Burton's name and they think of Pee-wee's Big Adventure. You think of the 1960s version of Batman, and it was the complete opposite of our film. We tried to market it with a typical dark and serious tone, but the fans just didn't believe us. That's so Until weird. it came out, at least, right? That is so weird, because I, like, I wouldn't even picture Tim because at this point, only anywhere point, near something like Pee-wee. Like, that was his first feature film. No, I know, but like... Like, his style, he is known. Like, his signature thing. Is, like, the gothic kind of, like, family-friendly horror? Like, in a sense? Like, it's, it's like, like, not horror, so but... It's, so dark. Yeah, like, what? At least color palette <laughs> You yeah. know? So it's, so it's just, like, silly that, like, oh, this movie from Tim Burton's gonna be so silly. It's gonna be just yeah. like the Adam West one. Co- color palette-wise, <laughs> subject matter-wise, he... He is now known. But again, think about it. Like, Beetlejuice is kind of dark, but it was still a comedy. No, I know. And, and then, so I'm saying and at this point, he's people... He's fine with that. He's fine with some, some comedy, but just like... I think people's concerns make sense if you consider the only films he had made up to that point. We're basically... No, comedies. yeah, it's totally valid. It's just it's just funny now. Um, It'd be like, like I'm trying to think of an that. example. We know what it's kind of like. The director of The Hangover directing Joker. Oh, which is which is what it is. Yeah. Todd Phillips, which is also kind of weird. Um, but that movie, I don't think, is that great. But anyway, Joker. Uh, Joker. Oh. Um, what? Really? I thought you it's like, okay. I it's I have it. some. Well, we'll get to it. I, I I thought you really liked it. I when I first saw, I really liked it, and then I watched it at home, and I was like, eh, I have some problems with this. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Um, okay. So let's talk about casting for a second. So. Um, we mentioned that Michael Keaton, you know, kind of made people a little concerned, but... Why was that? Oh, because of Beetlejuice? Or... No, because he had acted in... He had just... Just didn't seem like the right fit, based off of his other performances. Uh, is he supposed to be attractive? <laughs> I don't... I don't know. I don't really find him that attractive. I thought he kind of looked like Billy Crystal in, uh, <laughs> in 
when hair gets Sally. Yeah. The only thing then, because they both have curly hair, and at one point he wears a turtleneck. That's the only reason. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. You just If you look up Billy Crystal and you look up Michael Keaton, you're going to be like, oh. No, but not old Billy Crystal, like Billy Crystal. No, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah, you do that while I talk about important things. <laughs> a who's who of Hollywood top stars were considered for the role of Batman, including Mel Gibson, Kevin Costner, ah. Charlie Sheen, Tom Selleck, Bill Murray, Harrison Ford, and Dennis Quaid. Um, Burton was pressured by Warner Brothers to cast an obvious action movie star and had approached Pierce Brosnan, but he had no interest in playing a comic book character. Oh, yeah. Um, Burton was originally interested in casting an, un- an unknown actor at the time, Willem Dafoe. Oh, interesting. Um, who was wow. falsely reported to be considered for the Joker, but had actually been considered for Batman early in the development. Well, can we just say he would be a phenomenal Joker? He yeah. basically plays the Joker when he's playing the Green Goblin. Like, he's doing like this kind of crazy... Oh, maniacal. yeah, he was crazy for the... For the um, and Spider-Man. Yeah, for the Green Goblin. Um, producer John Peters suggested Michael Keaton, arguing he had the right, quote, edgy tormented quality <laughs> after seeing his dramatic performance in a film called Clean and Sober. Um, having directed Keaton and Beetlejuice, Burton agreed. Um, so they really saw something in him that I think the general public was very confused about until they saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, Keen's casting, like I said, caused a controversy among comic book fans with 50,000 protest letters sent to Warner what? Brothers officials, uh, Warner Brothers offices. Kane, Ham, and Uslan also heavily questioned the casting. Quote, obviously there was a negative response from the comic book people. I think they thought we were going to make it like the 1960s, like we said, and make it campy because they thought of Michael Keaton from Mr. Mom and Night Shift and stuff like that. So he must have been in some comedies as well. Uh, Um, Tim Curry, David Bowie, John Lithgow, Brad Dorff, Ray Liotta, and James Woods were considered for the Joker. Um, Burton wanted to cast... Such weird choices. Burton wanted to cast John Glover. Do you know who John Glover is? Uh, the... The the black guy from uh, Danny Glover. From from Star Wars. No, that's that's Billy D. Williams. Oh no, who I Lionel Luther on Smallville. Yes. Okay. John yes. Glover. Yes. 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 I knew that name sounded familiar. Okay. Yes, John Glover. But, yes. Burton wanted to cast him as the Joker. Oh, that would be good. That'd be kind of interesting, right? But the studio insisted on using a movie star. Um, fun fact, Robin Williams lobbied hard for the part. Like, he really, really wanted to play the Joker. Oh, really? Yeah. And and it's funny because you don't think of Robin Williams like that, but he was in a, Christopher, funny enough, Christopher Nolan movie called Insomnia. Mm-hmm. And Al, it's, the long story short, Al Pacino plays like a cop who, like, uh, gets sent to Alaska to investigate some murder or whatever. And Robin Williams plays the serial killer. Mm-hmm. And he's really good. He's really, really good as the character. Um, Jack Nicholson had been the studio's top choice since 1980. Uh, oh, wow. Peters approached Nicholson as far back as 1986 during filming of The Witches of Eastwick. Remember I said that they, he produced yeah. that. And I guess Nicholson was in that. Um, oh. Unlike Keaton, he was a popular choice for the for this role. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about it before, but... As uh, Batman? No, it's the Joker. Oh, oh, oh. He, he, that is inspired casting. Wait, why, oh, I, I'm sorry. Why did... Maybe wh- stop looking at Billy Crystal. <laughs> I'm not. And, and listen. No, I am listening. What I didn't, I didn't catch what was wrong with Glover. They just wanted a movie star. Oh, was he? He wasn't. No, he's oh. not a movie star now. Oh, well. no, he's like a he's like a character actor. Oh, he was in Smallville. No, but that was later. <laughs> um, but like I was saying, um, well, I'll get to this when we really talk about how we feel about the movie. Mm-hmm. But Nicholson is probably. It's just inspired casting. Like, it's just like a no... It's, like, so obvious to cast him as the Joker. Yeah. 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 Oh, you disagree? 
No. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, I was just thinking, like, his other... Because what, at that point? Did the cuckoo's nest come out yet? Yeah. That was, like, the mid-70s, The Shining. The Shining, yeah. So I'm saying, I'm thinking, and yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, he's great in the role, I think. Mm-hmm. And he's probably the best part of the movie. Like, spoiler alert, when we get to our favorite part, probably, like, he... <laughs> he, because I think he does a pretty good... Yeah. I think he's just really good at inhabiting that role. And, and he himself has said this is... This is probably his favorite role he ever did. Yeah, because, um, I don't know, I don't know if it was, like, the delivery or, like, acting so much. Maybe it was just, like, the, like, the script. Because something I did notice was that there was, like, a lot of, like, one-liners. Not, like, in, like, quips, in, like, little, like, comebacks like that, but just, like, the dialogue was just, like, very short at times. Um, and I don't know. I don't, I don't think there's really much to talk about in terms of Michael's performance. Like, well, that's the thing. I think he, they don't really <laughs> give him enough to, to do. Yeah. Um, like, so that kind of is like the only driving like force, I think. He's the most animating thing. Yeah. Cause like either as Bruce or as Batman, like it's, He's he kind of upstaged Michael Keaton. Like he's the, not that it, it's his movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's supposedly Batman's movie, but really yeah. it's like the Joker, Joker show. Yeah. Um, well, you get the Joker origin story kind of with the two, which I have mixed feelings about. Well, because because in the comics there, there have been versions that have given him an origin story, mm-hmm. but the comics Different? typically he. No, I think the Killing Joke, his origin story, he also falls into a thing of acid or something. But, okay, but. I think the Joker works best when he's, like, like that's what makes him interesting. Is that you don't know like who he is. Like where he, that's what makes it interesting. Is like you don't. I know think who I remember you saying that. Yeah. Um, they were talking about Jack Sparrow. Where he's like a force of nature. Jack Sparrow. Like that's what yeah. makes the character interesting. Like I don't need him to be like, like I don't need to know who he was before the Joker. I guess so. Yeah. Um, well, something I think that this didn't entirely connect for me was like the transformation like like Jack just seemed like a like kind of cold asshole and then all of a sudden he's like the Joker yeah but like why did his his personality completely change when he went into some chemicals like like yeah like I don't know like like I understand the like he's like fuck it I've been dead or whatever you know like kind of like a looser uh like view on life now I guess like a, a looser but also more cynical but like just like the maniacalness like it was it didn't maybe seem... the chemicals made it maniacal <laughs> I don't know it just wasn't there for me like you know as as Jack Napier yeah which I also thought it was funny that his name is Jack is that is that his name in the comics I think when there have been versions that give him an origin story his name is Jack yeah okay because I just thought that was funny that Jack is playing Jack no confusion on set. No, no confusion. Um, Nicholson had what was known as a, quote, off-the-clock agreement. Uh, hmm. His contract specified the number of hours he was entitled to have off each day from the time he left the set to the time he reported back for filming, as well as being off for the launch the L.A. Lakers home games. Because Jack Nicholson is, like, a huge <laughs> Lakers fan. Interesting. Um, but he was such a big star, he's able to work that into his contract. Wait, so what is... Wait, sorry. It what, stipulates, what like, mean? he can't work any more than, like, the contract stipulates. If oh, they, if oh, they need, oh. It's like, we're going to do it tomorrow. I'm leaving. Oh. 
Um, That's he re- nice. <laughs> he reduced his standard $10 million fee to $6 million in exchange for a cut of the film's earnings, including associated merchandise. Oh. Which led to a remuneration in excess of $50 million, but some have reported it to be as much as $90 million. <laughs> to one dude! Oh, wow. <laughs> he also demanded top billing on promotional materials. Um, huh. In terms of the design, which I think is very much worth talking about. Yes. Um, very, very gothic style. Not like gothic, like 90s goth, but like gothic. Yes, like the actual like <laughs> visual aesthetic. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's something I wrote in my notes. Is this is the first one we've watched where Gotham really feels like an actual. It's Gotham. It's, it's Gotham it's City, gothic. as opposed. <laughs> what? I, it's um as opposed to just being like, it's Gotham City, but it's just Lexington Avenue. Like no, you know what yeah, I mean? Like this yeah. this feels like it's its own place. Yes. Right. Definitely. Um, Burton had been impressed with the with the work of production designer Anton First and wanted to hire him for Beetlejuice, but First had already committed to a different film. Mm-hmm. Uh, a year later, Burton successfully hired him for Batman, and they enjoyed working with each other. Quote, I don't think I've ever felt so naturally in tune with a director, First said. Quote, <laughs> conceptually, spiritually, visually, or artistically. There was never any problem because we never fought over every over anything. Texture, attitude, and feelings are what Bat- Burton is a, is a master at. So I think they really gelled, and I think again that's through all of his films. I think Burton's really has always been really good at, at the like production, like the, the aesthetic. Yes, he has. That's like say what yeah. you about the Charlie and Chocolate Factory movie. That's not lazy vision. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, no, definitely not. Um, yeah, I think I think in terms, uh, I I think over any over everything really is the aesthetic um, mm-hmm. that I would associate with Tim. Not so much like, oh, you know, uh, this is always how something, it, it, like something more um, technical, like like with um, Wes Anderson yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like, oh, I can tell this is directed or like, like, oh, this was written by Tim. No, it's like always the look, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um. So first, who's the production designer? And the art department deliberately mixed clashing architectural styles to, quote, make Gotham City the ugliest and bleakest metropolis imaginable. Oh. Um, First continued, quote, we imagine what New York City might have become without a planning commission. A city run by crime with a riot of architectural styles, an essay in ugliness, as if hell erupted through pavement and kept on going. Oh. I think it does look very unpleasant to live. It's everything steamy and, and like, and like, iron and like weird and there's always like everything's under a bridge i think i think if it was cleaned up a bit then it could be fine <laughs> uh, um, the Gotham city be a beatification committee uh, can beatification be- i'm gonna yeah. put beads all over the place <laughs> get your beads get <laughs> no, free beads no but um i i would agree that whatever their attempt was um, it did fall in line with the um, like uh, um, connected to its time. Um, it felt very like eighties grimy, like in this you know like New York City and like the eighties and like you know um, I don't know like all the graffiti and then just like the way people were dressed like. Mm-hmm. It just kind of seems like a snapshot of like the kind of 
not so desirable things from mm-hmm. the 80s um i i think the also the same thing with like when biff like when <laughs> like in back to the future when when biff becomes like in charge or whatever he's like mayor and it's like you know all different and like casino yeah. and whatnot it, it gives like similar vibes it's not it's it's a lot dirtier than that and like grimier i guess but um yeah so it, well, I was going to say is you would think of all the mainline Batman movies, this is the one to, like, least reflect the political climate of the time. Yeah. But then watching it, I was like, no, I think it expresses, like, a an anxiety over American urban living. In that, that, That's very characteristic of the Reagan era, the demonization of, like, poor people. No, people yeah, People of color definitely. living in the cities. This is definitely... Because you start to see, like, the cities start to turn around in the 90s and stuff in the yeah, 2000s, right? Yeah, so this it's is, like, like, definitely the stuff that people It's very implicit. Be, it's not obvious. Yeah, but. this is the stuff that, like, conservatives would be, like, hey, see, this is why we need to do this. Like, whatever. someone in Montana probably watches this, like, look, this is, like, what New York City must be. Yeah. And it's, yeah. like, no, like... <laughs> like so but to be parts. fair, to be fair, New York and these places were, were pretty dangerous in, like, the 80s. Some parts, but it's not all bad. No, no. You know. Um, um, but, and then also I would say the money thing was interesting too, like. I was giving out the free money. I know, I know that's like a common thing, like throwing coins at the commoners or whatever, but like, or like a trope. The desperation I think reflects like a trickle down economics era of, of neoliberalism. And yeah, it was, like, it was, especially in the eighties, it was terrible. It feels like, like, like it, it feels the, very much like that. At the, the time. Game. Or the gap, the gap between yeah. people was wide, you know, was extremely wide and widening yeah. um, in the eighties, you know. So there's that's why in a lot of like John Hughes films, you'll see like there's like the Richies, yeah. and then there's like the people from the wrong side of the tracks or whatever. It's because like, like, was it Pretty in Pink? Like her and her dad live like that really small. Yeah, house yeah, or... they live. Yeah, not in a trailer park, but yeah, it's like a really small place. Um, and then also like and Ferris Bueller lives like like these families always live in like these huge houses. No, yeah, that's another Because it thing exemplifies, too. like, the 80s corporate America kind of, like... Yeah, so it's... Greed it's, is good. is literally something Ronald Reagan said, <laughs> quoting yeah. the movie Wall Street. But in the movie Wall Street, Oops. we're meant to root against that guy. Oops. But then Ronald Reagan's like, like, um... What was it? What's his name? Um, Michael Shannon. Uh, right? Michael Shannon, is that his name? No, Michael Shannon is the guy from... Not Michael Shannon. What's his name? The guy from Kangaroo Jack. What's his name? Um... I forget. The guy who was in the Ant-Man movie. The old guy? Yeah. Pim? Yeah. I know who that is. I just can't. Michael Douglas. Douglas. Michael Douglas. He says greed is good, but he's meant to kind of be like, we're supposed to like not like him. Mm. But then Ronald Reagan is like, like Michael Douglas said in the movie Wall Street, greed is good. <laughs> Taken like, out of context. Yeah. it's like. But, <laughs> but anyway, so I think there's, it's like, if you were watching this in the 80s, you wouldn't pick up on this political thing. But I think because we're able to reflect back on the 80s, it's like, that's it's, so obvious. It's that's very there. 80s. Yeah. Um, not, not in a dated kind of way, but like in a time capsule type yeah. of way. Oh, well, the, um, the, the, the Joker dancing around in the museum to Prince music is very dated. Oh, I well, think, yes, but. that part. But I mean, like. The- <laughs> they thought they, they fu- thought they fucking ate that shit up when they were filming. They were like, yeah. Um, I didn't so, realize they were original songs. They were original. There's like, he wrote four, three or four original songs for this movie. Um, like the credit song is like a love, is like a slow, like love ballad by Prince. Yeah, when I when I think back and remember like before we watched it, like I was like, oh yeah, he just dances to Prince like in the museum or whatever. But I didn't realize they were <laughs> specifically written for this movie. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> um, so 
So let's talk just very quickly about filming. I told you I have a lot of trivia. Yeah. That's the thing. Some of these have... I couldn't find any trivia. Some of these direct-to-video movies. Yeah. I couldn't find any info about the production. <laughs> so You're this like, is lopsided. Oh, too bad. We don't want to talk about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> or just that they're just so small, like five people bought the movie. So it's like no sure, one cares yeah. to fill in the Wikipedia also, page. Also, before you continue with that, oh. I would just like to show you um, two comparison photos of Michael Keaton oh my as God. and Billy Crystal as Harry. She, ma'am, this is what you've been doing. They look, they, they look so similar. They both, okay. they both have the slim faces and they have the big forehead and they got the curly brown hair and then they got. The, but their eyes are different. It's all in the eyes. Well, yes, the eyes are different. Michael Keaton has Michael's bigger cartoony got, eyes um, and, and Michael's got a different um, eyebrows. He's got more more triangly yeah. eyebrows like Jack. This is this is what but, the people want to hear. A speaker about the resemblance. They got the laugh between. lines. They got the mouth. They got the chin. I just can and, I, can and, I and the dark colors. Continue, continue. Okay. So when it came down to filming, Sam Hamm was not allowed to perform rewrites during the 1988 Writers Guild of America strike. Hmm. Very timely. <laughs> very relevant. Oh frick. So what did they do? Warren Scarin, who I mentioned was the other writer, mm-hmm. who had also worked on Burton's Beetlejuice, did rewrites. You're a scab, Warren Scarin. <laughs> if you're listening to this. You're a scab. Don't listen to me. And you know what I do? I pick scabs. <laughs> I pick them. And then I flick them. You're going to get picked and flick, Warren. <laughs> do not flick your scabs. Sorry. Put them in the trash. We support workers in this house. <laughs> um, Keaton used his comedic experiment. Uh, experiment. Experience. <laughs> he used his comedic experience for scenes such as Bruce and Vicky's Wayne Manor dinner. Um, I will say, like, he, he felt like very relate, like, he wasn't a bad... He wasn't. It's not a bad performance. It's just not a good... He's kind of miscast, I will say, as Bruce Wayne. Uh, yeah, I mean... No. I wouldn't send 50,000 protest letters. I think that's a little extreme. That's- but he is. A, I think he's a little <laughs> miscast. But I don't know if that's his fault. And more just like the writing doesn't really capture that, Bruce Wayne. That really. would be so de- demoralizing. Like, <laughs> coming up. First day on set. Hey, guys. What's up? You know? Well, it worked out for him because the movie was a huge... Smash success. Take but, that, fifty thousand um, people. <laughs> he um he called himself a logic freak and was concerned that Batman's secret identity would would in reality be fairly easy to uncover. Keaton discussed <laughs> ideas with Burton. He's like, why would no one figure out that I'm Batman? Like basically oh, everything else. That's what I've been saying. So Keaton discussed ideas with Burton to better disguise the character, including the use of contact lenses, which I don't think they ended up doing, like to change his eye color. Um, oh. Ultimately, Keaton decided to perform Batman's voice at a lower register than when he was portraying Bruce Wayne, which became a hallmark of the film version of the character with Christian Bale later using the same technique. Yes, yes, which I did appreciate, though. Because I don't think Adam West really did, like, a different... Like, he would say things differently, but he wasn't, like, talking in a dark... No, 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 dark no. Dark voice, yo. But like, I think some people... I, I don't remember who. Maybe it was Ben Affleck, or maybe it was... Christian Bale. I don't know. So, someone, I remember someone doing it like ridiculous. Christian Bale. Is, is, yeah, by the time you get to the, the third one, he's like, Where's the trigger? You will never give it to It's just ridiculous. Whereas, like, this was like, I could tell it was like a little lower, but it wasn't like, I don't know. It just seemed a bit more functional. Yeah. What's funny because in Batman Begins, he only does, he only does like the growling at that point. In, in Batman Begins, he does a different voice, but it's not deeper. He's just like, he kind of talks like under his breath. But there's one scene where he's yes. like, where were the other drugs? But then he does that voice for like the entirety <laughs> of The Dark Knight. Yeah. Like he's just like, 
Because that one scene, it just seemed like he was doing it scarier to for that one scene to be scary. Yeah, yeah. But then he's like, I'm just going to do that when he's talking to like his friends. He's like, if I get him to you, will you get him to talk? Like, anyway. Um, yeah, it, it's like, he's like growling at that point. He's yeah. Like, oh, Batman. Like, yeah. dude, you're going to hurt um, your voice. In terms of the music, Burnt hired Danny Elfman. Um, yes, Danny! Of, um, who he had worked with. He was his collaborator on Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Beetlejuice. Danny Elfman was part of the rock band Oingo Boingo. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Uh, he brought him on to compose the music score. For inspiration, Elfman was given The Dark Knight Returns, which is the comic book. Uh, oh, comic that, book, though. That's so cool. He just read a comic book and he was like, I know how this music should go. Yeah. Shit, that's so cool. But didn't we say Hans Zimmer was like for Pipes of Caribbean? He's like, I just imagine them on motorcycles. <laughs> In my head, this is a movie about motorcycle gangs. <laughs> um, but, I mean, yeah, soon to be long term partners. Honestly, yeah, because basically they, they work together almost on not every single thing, but almost everything. They're pretty working much everything. Yeah, lots of stuff. Um, Elfman was worried as he had never worked on a production this large in budget and scale. In addition, producer John Pierce was skeptical of hiring Elfman, but was later convinced when he heard the opening number. Um, That's one nice. of the best, I think, themes of a movie ever. That opening theme. Mm-hmm. To the point where I think they reused it or, or kind of used it as the basis for the animated show's theme. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the it's the start menu screen for Lego Batman. <laughs> That's where I know it from. Okay. Um, oh, we should watch. Again, ladies and gentlemen, please, if we create a Patreon, please sign up. What? And we'll cover non-movie things in these franchises. And we will do a Twitch stream. We'll play Lego Batman. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, well, basically... Peter will play Lego Batman. And he's just gonna watch through, through me. I, I'm he's my conduit because I don't play yeah. games. They make she's me, a good backseat gamer. They make me very angry. Um, and also I'm not good at the controllers. So Peter yeah. plays, but I'm the one with the brains. She's the. Um, you would he, academically he's smart, but not like in problem yeah, well, solving and game smart. So that's that's my that's my this expertise. is um, this is we're gonna date this episode right now. Um, as, as you all know, we record these months in advance, but yes, just yesterday, the new, the Legend of Zelda, well, <laughs> Sarge, like a Mexican fiesta truck just drove by, like, oh, I love Jackson Heights. Okay, um, just yesterday, uh, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom came out, Woo-hoo! so I was playing it, I played for like eight hours straight, and it was amazing, um, but the thing is, Viviana's interesting when she backseat games, because she'll suggest things that, like, you just can't do, like, you can only do certain things <laughs> in the game. Like, the game, the, the programmers have programmed certain things you can do. But Tears of the Kingdom, you can kind of do anything you can think of. So, so suggest something. I'll be like, no, you, you're not going to be able to do that. And I'm like, oh, you can do that. Exactly. So, so this game's kind of perfect for Viviana to backseat game. This is my kind of game. Um, in terms of the marketing, which is really important for this movie... Um, I told you there was a lot of stuff. During production, Peters read in the Wall Street Journal that comic book fans were unsatisfied with the casting of Michael Keaton, um, as we said. In response, Peters rushed the first film trailer that played in thousands of theaters during Christmas. It was simply an assemblage of scenes without music, but it created enormous <laughs> anticipation for the film, with audiences clapping and cheering. What? So it did a lot to get, to give the film some goodwill and, and, and uh, a little bit more faith from the fans. It's weird. It was just like a silent like a film reel though. No wait, there was dialogue, there was no music. Like no, there was maybe no, scenes, I know. Like, it dialogue. wasn't like a formal trailer. Just They just rushed it out just to kinda like be like, like if people could see what see. we were working on. <laughs> yeah. They wouldn't, right? Yeah. Um in the months before Batman's release in June of eighty nine, a popular cultural 
phenomenon known as Batmania began. Over $750 million worth of merchandising was sold. Cult filmmaker and comic book writer Kevin Smith remembered, quote, that summer was huge. You couldn't turn around without seeing the bat signal somewhere. People were cutting it into their fucking heads. Like, I think, like, shaving it. Like, yeah, like yeah. It was just the summer of Batman. If you were a comic book fan, it was pretty hot. So, wait. Burton so- admitted he was annoyed by the publicity. <laughs> well, of course. He's a very, he's a very, like, you know, not, not, cons- not conservative. He, he's not a very public person. Tim Burton, yeah, he's kind of an introvert. Um, but, wait, that's really, so before... Leading the, up to so the movie. So this, this didn't... Oh, in, in in anticipation. Yeah. Okay, okay. And then also following. Because I, I would think that, that could be a good way to would get... come first, and then Batmania would happen. No, I think, like... I think uh, merchandising can be a tool, depending on the property. Because, again, Batman, people knew what Batman was. No, you yeah. You could buy into it and get kids to buy the shit, and then they're like, well, I want to go see the movie. I've been playing with the toy for three months. I want to go see the movie. No, of course. I just mean, I guess, like, with the different expectations, with the different... Depends on the brand. You know. um, You know what I mean? Because if they're like, oh my gosh, like, uh, what's his name? Adam West, like, so, so exciting, you know? Michael Keaton's the new Adam West, blah, blah, blah. You know, then, then there's that, that group, but then there's also the... Whoa! I saw this trailer. It looks super dark. Like I'm so, you know, I'm I'm excited to mm-hmm. see the movie, but maybe not would want like merchandise yet. Do you know? Do you see what I'm saying? Well, I guess it's also for kids. Like they're not necessarily thinking oh. that. Like, um, well, I know a lot of adults with toys. So. No, I know, but this is like when that's like the '70s, '80s is when that starts. But <laughs> to give you some context, again, merchandising is hugely important. At least it was. It's of not course. so much anymore. But um, let me give you a, an anecdotal example. Related to Star Wars. So, um, when they were making... When George Lucas was getting ready to make the the prequels, right? Yeah. So, all of those films were self-financed. Oh. Right? That's how he was able to retain, like, complete creative control. Oh, wow. 20th Century Fox would distribute them. Mm-hmm. But they weren't flipping the bill. He's got a... Why is he eating alone in food... In mall food Because he's just a normal dude! If, if he has so much money to finance three different films. Well, he would basically take the money he made from the last one and put it into the next one, basically. Okay. And make Luke. But anyway, so... Um, so one of the ways... You know, he still had a lot of money, but what he did was... Because Star Wars, the original trip back in the 70s and 80s, what made George Lucas uber wealthy was because when he did his contract with 20th Century Fox or whatever, like, they did flip some of the bill. The, the merchandise. But he basically put into his contract because that wasn't really a big deal back then. Yeah. So he was able to get the rights. So when that exploded and everyone wanted these toys... It's off of that that he became a gazillionaire, right? So he, so so everyone knew that okay, they're making new Star Wars movies in the night. Oh my god, the I want in on that merchandising. He sold the merchandising rights for that film, Phantom Menace Episode One, to Hasbro up front before the movie even came out. They made the toys. Oh yes, yes, yes. You keep thinking of plush toys. I'm talking about like action figures. No, I know, I know. I was just, I was thinking. Board games. I was like, why? Hasbro makes board games. I know. Never mind. Right. Anyway, well, he sold the right. Bears. He sold the rights to it before he had even written the script. Oh wow! They didn't know what the movie would be about. They didn't know if it was good. And off of that money, he made the movie. <laughs> what? He so that basically constituted the budget of the movie. He, the, the him him licensing the rights to the merchandise. Okay. Calm to down. Hasbro. Calm down. You're spitting on yourself. <laughs> no, I'm not. 
You got a piece of spit on your lip. Well, I'm trying, trying, trying to tell you something. You're so, so excited um, about it. Speaking of um, money, despite the film's box office, over $400 million against a budget of no more than $48 million, Warner Brothers claimed it ended up losing 30, 35, about $35 million and, quote, was not likely to ever show a profit, which has been attributed to a case of Hollywood accounting. And what Hollywood accounting is, oh, is, is when studios will inflate the costs... So they don't owe people any money. Because if like if you have a deal like you get X percent of the profits, and they'll be like, oh, sorry, we didn't make any profit. We had all these extra costs. But it's like kind of deceptive. Account. Like they basically find things to... So like they charge them more for the like the lock? No, just on their books. They're just like, they're just lying. They're, they're adding costs that aren't there. Hmm. That, that weren't real costs. Oh, not even, not even inflated ones. No, I'm saying... Profit... Is revenue minus cost? No, I know. I'm saying. So if like, there's t- if, if the cost is more than the revenue, then they don't owe anyone a cut of the profit. No, I understand. I'm saying I'm asking if it's like you someone a movie would rent a a lot space or a, a sound stage for five hundred dollars, but instead of charging them five hundred dollars, they would charge them seven or eight hundred dollars. I think there's different ways to do. And then and then use you know basically keep that difference. I don't know if there's one way to do it. I there's think there's different ways. ways. You can lie. You can just make up things that didn't exist. You can claim things as costs for that film, but really they were costs for something else. Like, mm. like, you know, just something for the Warner Brothers lie. Like, oh, we're going to charge it to the Batman movie. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you can just get very creative this with it. Very why, creative accounting. This is why you always ask for the bills, exactly. people. Um, so with all of that, what do we think of the movie? <laughs> I mean, we've already kind of talked a little bit about it, but um, I think right from the beginning, I noticed like from just the title sequence with the music and like the dark visuals, like it's very dramatic right from the jump. Like it feels very much like separate from the Adam West stuff. Yes. You know, it really like takes those first two minutes to make you very unaware that it's not you're not gonna get a na 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 kerplop, no, like, Sam. Yeah, the the first, I mean, even the first shot, uh, you know, just like the kind of um, off kilter shot of it's like the bat symbol, right? Or oh, I thought it was the off kilter shot of the of the building. No. Oh, maybe it was. I thought I thought the opening title sequence behind the text is just like moving angles of like the a bat shape. Okay, well, after that. I thought. After that. that oh, yeah, yeah. Like, instantly, Tim, you know. So it's, like, nothing. It's nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which is, I also find very interesting that it, it, it's completely different. You know, mm-hmm. it, not, it, it not only has it taken over. It's pretty innovative decades. in terms of Batman. Yeah. Like, but it, it's, it's really cool to th- look at it in hindsight. Mm-hmm. Or not look at it in hindsight. Like, like remove hindsight. Mm-hmm. And... Be like, nothing had been... Because, again, mo- superhero movies were barely a thing. So he's really kind of, like, creating something wholly new. Yeah. Which, you like, know? I understand this is more along the lines of the comics. But, like, in terms of film and, like, media representation, I feel like this is just, like, a complete rewrite. Um, so it, it does... Completely seem, upends our expectation yeah, of what it, Batman it, it is supposed to be. changes it if you don't read drastically. Comics. Yeah. Um... Yeah. Because, again, if you read comics, you've already kind of gotten this idea. But most people seeing this movie were just casual movies. People just like the character. Yeah, yeah. They're not comic books. Yeah, just casual people. Um, Like, it was, you know, a a very big shocking change. Yeah. 
But this is a very influential, again, in terms of blockbuster, because it's very, like, VFX-heavy. Um, again, mm-hmm. a lot of use of miniatures or matte paintings, right? Because there's no CGI. Oh, really? Remember at one point there was miniature? a... Huh? What was a miniature? I'm imagining some buildings were miniatures. Oh, maybe buildings. I think there was a shot that was, like, a complete eagle-eye view. Uh, and it was cool they had, like, a little animation for Batman's shadow. Because, like, you couldn't do it any other so way. so weird, yeah. Right, because it was like, we had this miniature, but how do we simulate a shadow? Uh, so they, like, it looks like someone, like, hand-drew... Not onto the physical, but, like, did, like, animation compositing. Like, it was, yeah. like, a 2D animation, right? I thought so, that was kind of weird, because it, it, it felt like it did a mix, but... Like, well, when the, when the Batmobile did, gets, like, different. the armor, oh, like, yes. it's, like, it's, like, stop motion, right? Because it's, like, uh, Tim... But you know what I mean? Like, that's how you are able to get away with doing stuff like that in, in 1989. Because the VFX just aren't there to do that with computers That's yet. true. I didn't even think about you know? the technology. Because there, there had definitely been... Like, computer graphics had started to be introduced by this point, but just, like, mm-hmm. very, very little. No, I mean, we see um, Batman's TVs. Yeah. Because like. <laughs> if we talked about this, but the same year, uh, the La- Indiana Jones' The Last Crusade comes out. Yes, yes. And yes. we talked about one of the first composite shots done completely in a computer with the guy aging rapidly at the end. <laughs> yes. Um, but, you know, you only a few years later do you get, like, Terminator 2, you get Jurassic Park. You, like, so it's, it's on the horizon. I thought those were practical. They are, but they have some key moments of some very influential and innovative CGI work. Mm-hmm. Um, like Jurassic Park, as, as much as they can, there'll be a physical T-Rex. Way. But sometimes yeah. there are certain shots where they want them to be running. No, yeah. Are CGI. But what makes that good is that yeah. they do a lot, of, like, from shot to shot, they alternate. So, like, mm-hmm. it tricks your eye. Like, it helps you kind of just, like, buy into this. Yeah. I don't know what I was watching or why I was watching it, but I I saw some behind-the-scenes thing from Jurassic Park, and they were talking about how the having, like, a puppet or whatever... A lot of it was real, yeah. Yeah, having that is much better in terms of lighting and stuff. Yeah. Especially back then, because they hadn't developed the technology. Looks Mm -hmm. better, I guess, you know, so... Because something in CGI... I don't think CGI when I think of that movie. Yeah, no. The exactly. new ones, of course, everything's fucking. Well, that, that's that's the thing, right? <laughs> um, literally, the the locations is everything. The only thing that's real are the actors, maybe. Yeah, um, maybe. But <laughs> just added, added. Well, if you look at some of the Marvel movies, if it's Rob, like the first Iron Man, he's wearing for a lot of the shots, he's wearing physical a physical suit. Now he yeah. just wears a black outfit, and they CGI the suit suit over him. But why? They already have the outfit. That's what I was saying. Like, it's just cheaper and easier and faster. It's just because, the, but. Um, anyway, just pulling it back to this, I think because of the era it's in, it feels very tactile. That's something I've always liked about yes. Tim Burns, especially his earlier work. Yes. Like, the cinematography I always think is, like, I don't just mean cinematography in terms of, like, the framing, but just, like, the way that DP is able to manipulate celluloid and capture that light information. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, everything feels very textured and fresh, and, yeah. um, again, it doesn't feel like, and, and it doesn't feel like New York or LA. It feels like this is, this is a new place. This is a fictional yeah. place that, but is at the same time feels real. Yeah. Right? I, I would um, say that the, the same, same type of thing with, like, Edward Scissorhands, um, he just, he, he has, like, a good... Especially back then, like, the 80s, 90s. Yeah, he has, like, Tim has, like, a good grasp not only on, like, aesthetic, but also, like, things. And, like, how to make just, like, mm-hmm. normal things, like, seem interesting or cool behind yeah. the camera. Yeah. It's, like, it, yeah. like, gives the film texture. Mm-hmm. Um, there is something timeless. You, you were asking me, like, when is this supposed to take place? There's, they intentionally designed both the, the 
architecture as well as the outfits to be kind of semi-timeless. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of like a pseudo 40s, but obviously they have yeah. the technology of the 80s. Like, just kind of like, it, it's meant to kind of exist outside of time is like the idea. Because like, they have, they has like the yeah. TV, the CRT monitor. No, and, like, yeah. Like I they mean, have it, the 80s technology. It's not a period piece by any means. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, I mean, I guess they tried to do that, but to me it just kind of seemed like when he was a boy, it was kind of 40s, and then now... That's, like, the 80s. idea. It's, like, yeah. yeah. Um, Again, I think they're just pulling from yeah. from that because I think that fits with, like, the like the noir-ish kind yeah. of darker. I don't think it's meant to be, like, this scene's taking place in 1944, and no, this no, no, scene's no, taking no. place in this. But I think, I think having that kind of noir... Uh, like, <laughs> I know you said noir... But I usually say it with a W, but you you said it almost like new R. <laughs> like the, the letter R, new it's R. the new. New R. New R. Uh, that's how I, <laughs> yeah, that's how I say it. Um, so, like, kind of like the, the new R uh, aesthetic and, like, you know, when you think of that, you think of, like, kind of hiding in the shadows, but also very, like, um, sharp, uh, like, lines or, like, like, um. I don't know. Sharp. Very German. Tim Burton has always sharp. leaned into German expressionism. Like if you look at like sure. stuff from. That's not what I was saying. No, but that's what you're referring to without knowing it. That's in, like the in in the in noir stuff, like the very in noir was kind was semi influenced by German expressionism. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So the it's idea like of like very this very sharp, boxy, sharp. Yeah. Very sharp. German expressionism is like movies like Nosferatu, Sunrise, Metropolis, where it's like very again the expressionism mm-hmm. the idea that it's like everything's kind of heightened mm-hmm. right so especially if you look at like Edward Scissorhand well, yes. think about think about some of the cli- the climax of Beetlejuice like when the house starts transforming yeah. that's German expression that's like pulled straight out of like Sunrise or Nosferatu like like uh, in German expressionism they would they would paint the shadows on the ground like if there was a table mm-hmm. they would like paint with black chalk on the ground the shadow of the table like if you just Google German Expressionism film, uh, like, yeah, well, it, <laughs> I think um, Tim Burton is drawing from that in yeah. all of his films, especially so, these earlier ones. But I, I think that also kind of correlates with what we were talking about in terms of like the Reaganite era, um, because the the sharpness is more suit like it's more yeah okay interesting yeah that do you know what i'm saying like it's more polished in comparison to um you know like the rest of gotham city but i think even even now in the in the later ones they don't maybe do it as obviously but that is kind of the 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 opposing factor of batman's character in order to show that he's not, like, a regular petty crime person. Yeah. Does that make sense? Kind of. Like, he's not... I'll let the listeners decide if that makes sense. He doesn't seem casual and normal because, like... The city's not casual and normal. Sure. He's a product of Gotham City. But, like, but like the rich end. he's It's, like, sharp, polished, put together, whereas, like, everything else seems, like, kind of messy and, like... Um, like abstract, but um, but you know, I, I I I think that's something that even if it wasn't expressed so blatantly in these in these forms, um, in the mise en scene and everything, 
then it, it would still be like a, a through line minor theme I think in order to yeah. like this guy is not just like your regular Joe Schmo just dressing up at, you know like like a bank robber you know they would wear like the, the ski masks or whatever so it's it's not like that kind of guy it's mm-hmm. like he's he's doing stuff for the good of the people kind of guy mm. you know so it, it's like making yeah. that distinction yeah do you get that yeah so we get yeah. Batman's first reveal. You don't get that, dude. I you kind of lost me a little bit. What? It's it's. I understand what you're saying, and that's making me not understand. In that, like, I understand, but what you're saying is very simple. So I'm like, is there more to what you're trying to say? Yes, he's not like other. Like, the theatricality is the point. He's supposed to instill fear. Like, what's the first? So his reveal. See, this this is a good segue. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm not gonna kill you. I want you to tell your friends about me. Like, the whole point is the theatricality. The whole point is that he's not just like dressing up like in a ski mask. Like he's like no, I know. dressing up as a bat, right? It's like he some people don't even know if he's human, right? Like, no, I know. Um, but it's really interesting to see again compared to Adam West. Like Batman's finally scary, right? Like, no, like at least that's the idea. Like yeah. they, they 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 use shadows effect. Like his introduction scene, it's like he Burton directs it like it's a horror movie. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like, what was that? And there's like something in the shadows, yeah, right? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? And again, I think this is where Burton gets to shine is like when he can really lean into like the macabre mm-hmm. or like unsettling elements of this character um, and what he can mean. Is he okay? Tim Burton? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Sorry. Because uh, I know I, well, because, you know, you know Tim, right? But then also, apparently he, he grew up with his grandparents across the, and like, his house was across the street from like a graveyard. Oh no! So like, is he okay? <laughs> Probably. Have you watched his movies? No. Well, love, love the art, but you okay, Tim? Yeah. How are you doing? <laughs> um. But yeah, like I like I said, like we um said before, the costume improvement each is getting better in terms of the aesthetic. Yeah. Though there is something lost in his lack of mobility, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's only so much. Like the Adam West action scenes were more dynamic like he's jumping around he's like you know what i mean so yes, there is something kind of lost and they really have to lean into like the the non like all the, the film parts like the editing mm-hmm. the shots to yeah. make it feel more um like exhilarating because he's not really doing much he's he's pretty like stiff is the word i'm looking for mm-hmm. um but something else we haven't talked about in terms of casting billy d williams is harvey dent which, interesting to make him black, which I don't think was in the comics at all, ever. It's so very cool. It's the 80s now, so you can... You... Though it's funny, though, because... So Harvey Dent, as we know, later becomes Two-Face. I was gonna ask And that that's why they cast him. I was him gonna ask Because that. Burton was like, he's a great actor, and he would it would be so cool to have him as Two-Face. But then when they finally get to Two-Face in these movies, they've recasted everybody, and it's Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones is Two-Face. In in Batman Forever, I believe. At that point, they've, like, Michael Keaton isn't Batman anymore. It's, like, it's debatable if it's even the same continuity. Um, Wait, okay, because I'm so glad that you brought that up, because I was going to ask... He doesn't really get much to do, is my point. No, I know, but I was going to ask, and then I was like, oh, no, it's probably going to be annoying. But, like, so, 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 who, who's on top? Is that Gordon or Dent? Dent is not a police officer. Dent is the district attorney. I know. Okay. So I mean, who's on top? Okay, so I guess the top of what? They said they said one is a commissioner and one yeah, is Gordon, a captain. No, Gordon is the police commissioner. 
Yeah. Harvey Dent is a DA. Okay. He is not. He's not a police officer in any capacity. Well, then they must have been talking about something else. I don't know. Um, because I was like, oh, Harvey Dent. That sounds so familiar. But I thought that was Two Face. But then I was like, well, I guess not because like. You know, he wasn't. But, mm-hmm. okay, yes. But I don't know Tommy as him. I know the other guy. What's the other guy? Well, in The Dark Knight, he plays a pivotal role in The Dark Knight. I know. Who is that guy? Aaron Eckhart, I think is the actor's name. Mm-hmm. You would know him if you saw him. He was, he was pretty in a lot of stuff at that time, but he kind of hasn't really been in a lot since. The guy. Oh, wait, no, that's Sean Bean. Mm-hmm. It's okay. You don't need to. It's not really important right now. So that's okay. Well, that's who I think of. Yeah. Anywho, that's... I think that's what everyone thinks of. He's okay. like the definitive on-screen version of mm-hmm. the character. Okay, that's that's great to know because I thought I was a little... I, I thought I was confused, but I wasn't confused because I I, I remember that name. You're, I feel you're like Dorothy and I'm like Glinda the Good Witch. You, you, you had the power to not be confused all along. <laughs> um, but again, yeah, I think Tim Burton really brings like some creative visuals... To, to the film um, again like I said like it's kind of a cop out like the way they have to make the fight scenes more engaging but I will say if someone has to do it Burton's a good choice to try to do this and like try mm-hmm. to make things feel like or like um, oh yes really Aaron, dynamic Aaron Eckhart he looks like Sean Bean why are we on Aaron Eckhart because he looks like Sean Bean wait this episode's been 90 minutes and we're only in the first five minutes of the movie <laughs> no, I don't have a lot of notes like I said I've been trying just to write like Observations and not like the plot, but because <laughs> I um, when when you said that I was thinking of Sean Bean and National Treasure, and then I was like, wait, mm-hmm. that's Sean Bean. But apparently they look Can't... the same, just like just like Billy Crystal and Michael Keaton. It's a thing with white guys, I guess. I don't know. Can I continue? Yeah. <laughs> we already <laughs> talked about this a little you, bit, honey. but. I'm one of the good ones. Hashtag not all white men. Um, <laughs> we talked about this before. Again, I'm not sure how I feel about them def- defining Joker's origin mm-hmm. so, like, bluntly. Um, like, if you allude to it, kind of. Like, here's the thing. is like, I think in that killing joke, right, that comic mm-hmm. book that does go into it, I think it's like a flashback. Mm-hmm. Like, whereas this is like an integral part of the story. And Batman is involved. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, he makes them. Well, um, there's that whole thing. And, that and not only other. that, right, when you have the Joker like Heath Ledger's, where you have no idea, like, who he is, like, what's his goal, mm-hmm. it, it helps with the fact he doesn't really have, like, a clear motivation other than just, like, I'm just here to cause mischief. Like, I just want to see the world burn. Like, that's the whole thematic thrust of the Dark Knight is, like, Bruce is trying to struggle. Like, he's struggling with, like, trying to figure out how he can take the Joker down. And Alfred relates this story about... Um, a guy like he was like I was in Burma and I was you know why was Alfred in Burma because some versions of him he's like an age like a secret agent or a something right? Agent. or like in the military but anyway he's talking about like these robbers who stole all these jewels and then like he found the jewels just like on the side of the road and like, the mm-hmm. whole point was like they just did it like because it was fun and like and he says the classic line some men just want to watch the world burn right so yeah. by not giving him an origin and just leaning into this idea of force of nature it, it it helps not only are you able to get away with your villain not having a motivation that's part of the point but by giving him so much backstory or at least like we understand who it he is a lot of jokes. it makes his lack of motivation not it, it doesn't work yeah. like what's his motivation like <laughs> because I already have a sense of him being an actual human mm-hmm. and now you've turned into the Joker and it's like 
why is he doing what he's doing? See, that was the interesting... We'll talk about this later. You've drank all my water. Yeah, I've been uh, drinking her water, though. <laughs> um, but that was the interesting, about, an interesting thing about Joker was because he was just a dude, right? And so you kind of feel... There's, like, that tear because you feel, like, compassionate because, like, you've seen him before all this stuff, but now oh, he's just, yeah. like, gone apeshit crazy and, like you know, killing Robert De Niro on TV. Um, but, yeah, so two things about that. I I think if we're going to do a Joker origin story, I like this one where he's an adult. As opposed to, like, it, as he's younger and, like, it's kind of been, like, a lifelong thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Like, like Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, you mean? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Cause... It's like, he's an adult, but the idea is that he's always been crazy. Yeah. Whereas in this, it's it's the it's the acid that makes him crazy. Yeah, like he was a, like he was a little that. unhinged before, mm-hmm. but this just sends him over the edge. It just seems like something strange that like a child was always destined to be like a, a, a maniacal like bad, serial killer. Yeah, story. bad bad guy. Um, but also something that I have noticed is that a lot of like. I'm sure it might be the same for Marvel, but, I mean, don't hate me, DC fans, but it just seems like a lot of DC characters, and specifically in, at least the ones that I know, within the Batman universe, are, like, kind of the same. They're just, like, copies of each other. No! But- Batman, it's Batman and Spider-Man. They have the best villains. No, but what I'm saying is that specifically is Joker and Riddler, they seem the same. Except, That's what I said about the last movie. Except except Joker is chaos and Riddler is more is more um uh, like intricate. Yeah, intricate of um not tactile. What am I thinking? Technical. Like it's Technical. it's very like It's very calculated. Y- th- yes, yes, yes. Very calculated and and it's always purpose driven, whereas like Joker is more Exactly, like maniacal. And like, when, when you're like dealing with the Joker like, or the Riddler, you're confused in both situations. The difference being is that the Riddler has an answer. The Joker, yeah. there is no answer. Yeah, so that's what I was saying about... Um, you were talking about how like he was confused on how to, um, how to stop the Joker. But it's like, you can't really because... Unless you kill him, but that's his whole thing is... In at least the Christopher Nolan ones, where it's like he doesn't kill. That's like the whole point. Whereas in this one, he's just like, "I'm gonna kill you," and his Batmobile has so. machine guns on it. Okay. Well, I guess so. Or even just like apprehending, like keep him in like you know a maximum security, like one of those silly maximum security prisons from like Kung Fu Panda. You remember when he was like mm. the like- classic cinematic example of <laughs> maximum security prison, Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. Or or in X Men, where it's just like it's just like them yeah. on like a little platform yeah. in the middle of nothing. Yeah. Um, then, you know, there's no telling what he'll do next or why. And I don't think he'll even know why all the time, you know? Um, so that, I think that's what makes him, you know, a real threat as opposed to just like, you know, a a gangster or, or some petty thief or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, at least in terms of Batman, it's like always like. Like, where could he be, right? Yeah, yeah. The Riddler is telling you where he is. You just have to figure it out. It's just, you have to figure it out. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Um, But something about this movie that is a little hit or miss for me is, like, the stylized dialogue. Um, Mm. And, like, I feel like sometimes it's doing things that the Adam West show would do, but, like, without any sense of irony. 
or mm. like self-awareness. What do you mean? Like, like I don't know. It like just feels like everything. Short... No, everything's just like played to the back row. Like the writing and like the performances. Mm. Like everything feels like like they're chewing the scenery, kind of like. Mm. Um, do you know what I mean? But I'm, I'm using lots of metaphors for when people talk about overacting. But yeah, yeah. Like I, I know. It, but sometimes it's hit or miss. Like I don't. I love a good. I don't. I don't know how I don't know what you're talking about in terms of this movie, but I know in terms of theater, like, like which is similar, like the idea of playing to the back row, like you're being really exaggerated because people what? in the back row. I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes I don't know. It just feels like. Well, I'll talk about this. I hate Knox. Oh, oh, the reporter guy. I hate. He exemplifies everything I hate about this movie. <laughs> Like it's such a small part of the movie. But every single scene, I remember not liking him as a kid either. Like, and it's not like, oh, I don't like him because he's not meant to be a good guy. Like, no, he's just like grading. Like, he's just really grading. He, the he, he, like the way they write him and the way he performs it. Like, he's like meant to be like kind of sardonic and clever and kind of sarcastic. Mm -hmm. It's just so annoying. And I don't like him in the Bodyguard either because he plays the <laughs> Oscar host. And I, but I like that performance in that movie because I thought the whole point of that is like an insufferable Oscars host. So it works. I think that's just like his thing. I don't know. I just really do not like Oh, he was in Good Morning Vietnam. Uh, he was in Good Burger. <laughs> I just don't like his... Like, every time he was on screen, I was just like, oh, like... Like, he was playing... He was like playing a generic, like, like, wisecracking reporter who's like... You know, we'll do anything for a scoop. Like, it's just, I don't know. Just something about it just really annoys me. Everything about his performance and his writing and everything. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I just feel like that's how he is, like, yeah. as a person. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's him as a person, but that's how he yeah, acts. What? You know, like. Well, how was he last time you guys had lunch? No, I just what was he mean, like? like, in terms of acting, you, you know how, like, Kristen Stewart plays, like, the same character? Yes, over I know what you mean. Like, yeah. I feel like that's, like, he's just, like, uh, uh, dopey, obnoxious character every time he acts. Dopey. That's the word. Like you're know. acting like he's acting dopey. But I've only seen him in like three things. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, speaking of casting, so let's talk a little bit more about Michael Keaton, right? And I think with Bat this us doing this franchise, we gotta look at the casting of Batman. Because this is the first franchise I think we're doing where there's like no X-Men. Well, X-Men, they did do some recasting. But it was all meant to just be like younger versions yeah, of them. Yeah. Whereas this is the first franchise we're doing where it's like constantly being like rebooted. Like it's yeah. new versions of characters yeah. that we've already seen. So I think that's something we should look at while doing this is like comparing the different Batman, right? So, yeah. or at the very least with this, you know, how's Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne and how is he as Batman? Cause they're really two different characters, mm -hmm. right? Again, I think he's partially miscast as Bruce Wayne. He's definitely charming. I just don't know if he's Bruce Wayne. I, I just don't. Some, I think sometimes he kind of seemed like the same person. That's the thing, and we talked um, about with the serials, and I talked about for other versions, is that the idea is that Bruce Wayne is the mask. Mm -hmm. That he plays a character, so people but don't suspect don't him as Bruce. Batman that, is who he really is, right? But I don't know about that, though, because uh, Batman was uh, was an afterthought. No, but I mean, like, Batman exemplifies who he really is, is what no, I'm saying. No, yeah, yeah. Okay. Whereas Bruce Wayne is not, like, he's not a womanizing, oh, no, like, no. apathetic, not, like, remember, he's like, oh. I just don't want to do anything to Well, that. I don't know why he would he would make that his persona, but whatever. You know, at least even in the Christian Bale ones, he's like, he's just meant to be like a millionaire playboy. 
you know what I mean? Like, yeah, kind I mean, of him staying out late, and that's yeah, why he's, like, you know, oh, he was out, he was out parties. late parties, not you know solving crime. That's why he's sleeping in. Yeah, he's not recovering from multiple knife wounds so, and stuff. It's like, just so random because you would think as a high-profile billionaire, people would want to know what the fuck you're doing yeah. and how you're making yeah. money. How he still makes money, I don't know. Well, wait a minute. Well, when rich people are rich, they're rich. Unless I, you're really bad at investing, so. you just I, invest in. In but ETF like, funds and but and, like <laughs> making armored like playwear rich. Well, in the Christian Bale ones, he he is the president of Wayne Enterprises. No, yeah, like that a, makes like sense. a GM kind of company. that makes like, sense. But for I think for a lot of General other Electric, ones, excuse me, yeah. but for a lot of other ones, it's just he just is Bruce yeah. Wayne. But it's like his parent his parents are dead. What is what is he doing? Like, is he how big is his trust fund? You yeah. Know? <laughs> Um, but I think you're right. I think you bring up a good point that there really there's not much delineation between him and Batman. Like he kind of just yeah. plays the same person. Again, he's very char- like I like Michael Keaton. This isn't me to try to shit no, on Michael yeah. Keaton. I, he's I very charming he in this movie. He's just I just don't know if he. But again, then that's more of a fault of the writing. I just don't know if this is really what I would want from Bruce Wayne as a character. Yeah, right? I mean, I don't know. I can't remember if it happened all throughout the movie, but I know definitely towards the end, um, I noticed that, like, every, like, every line was, like, just a sentence. It was just so short. And so, like, it, it seemed... I don't know. Very, very technical for its own sense, and not like they didn't give him much to do either. That's the thing. Yeah, like, and like what you were saying about him, like I thought he was, you know, kind of personable, but also kind of like just like a boring dude from like the eighties. Like I don't know. Um, but for back then, that was really interesting. <laughs> but now <laughs> he just, he's late. He just seemed like a dad. Like I don't know. Um, he very was, fashionable. Though. He did, I really liked his his his. His the Steve Jobs outfit. Yeah, these I've never seen jeans so blue. <laughs> and then the black tucked-in turtleneck, or or not tucked. But I like yeah. his little glasses. He had the little round clear glasses. Yeah. Anywho, but like especially when, first of all, not sure why he even brings her there, but when he brings Vicky to, who? <laughs> Cut that out. Um, sorry. When he brings Vicky to the Batcave and she's like looking at his face more intensely. When he, like, when he brings her, when he is Batman or when he's Bruce Wayne? When he is Batman and he is driving her to the Batcave. And he like kind of like shies away. Like it seems like, like a Bruce type of thing. That doesn't really seem like a Batman type of thing. So it's like, oh, she's kind he's of like uncovering yeah. it. But then he's also like kind of giving it away. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. How do we feel about how intertwined Batman's origin and Joker's origin are? Because they make a whole point. So basically, <laughs> so Batman weird. Batman is kind of the reason the Joker exists, right? Because Batman's trying to save him yes, from yes, falling yes. to the bat, the vat of acid. He didn't he try it. very hard, but yeah. But then it's it's revealed that a young Jack Nap- Napier 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 um, is the murderer of his parents. Which is obviously a huge change from the comics. Yes. In the comics, um, it's a character named Joe Chill. Oh, really? Like, yeah, there's like a... The character oh, I thought it was just... I thought it was random. They just... I'm sure the very to... first Batman issue number one, it was just a random, but since they built out the mythology, oh, really? it's, oh, it's, it's thought... meant to be a criminal named Joe Chill, who, who's just a dude. Oh. Who's just 
mugging them and oh i thought that was the whole thing was that like they they never know who it is it's like just some petty thieves at the wrong time no no i mean oh, in, oh, in the oh. christian bale one a whole plot point is the trial but it's not it's only a scene but batman goes for his uh, parole hearing well, not batman but bruce wayne this is before he's batman sure and he goes with a gun he's gonna kill joe Chill. But then someone else does it because the whole point is that Joe Chill is getting released from prison early because he's helping because he shared a cell with, like, the mob boss. Uh, and he's willing to go on the yes. record and testify against him. So before Bruce can kill him, the mob guy. So another mob, a mob hit guy kills uh, Joe Chill. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I have not, apparently I've not seen those in years because I do yeah, not remember We watched that. it together, like, two years ago. I don't remember that at all. You loved that movie. Well, I'm going to love it again. You're going to love it again. Because <laughs> um, I do not remember that. That's not really important, but it's... I don't care that it's not Joe Chill. I'm not one of those people like, um, it's not Joe Chill, but... I guess it wasn't even made at this point, right? I think Joe Chill might have been in the comics at that point. Oh, okay. I'm just saying that I don't know how I feel about it's, like, very convenient. Like, oh, the Joker killed his parents? It just seemed very Shakespearean, like, how intertwined they It's were. like, it feels like a soap opera. Right, yeah. and it reminds me of people's complaints of the Star Wars prequels, where George Lucas like wasn't very creative, and like everything had to have like this perfect connection. So it's like C three PO couldn't just be a droid; he had to have been built by Darth Vader as a boy. <laughs> he can't just be a that's droid. Right, that's right. That just happens to be a droid somewhere, right? So it's like it's like too convenient. It's like that's that's yeah. very very big coincidence. Yeah, it's like it's oh my gosh, it's like when um when teams have children. And all their children are on the teams, but it's like, yeah, who, wh why, who, or like, wh or like, two there... families are enemies, and then they're like, it's like two people are enemies, and then both of their kids become enemies of each other. It's yeah, like, it's like, why would you assume that just because you were on this superhero team that your kid would also want to be on the superhero team and also work with these random kids? That I want to see. I want to see. I don't know. I want to see a superhero movie when they have a kid. And instead of wanting to join the team, they want to be a super villain. That's that's kind of been explored in the um, in Star Wars, right? Where it's like Han and Leia's kid, both in the old canon and the new one, their son becomes like oh, Seth, uh, like a, a ben, dark side. Ben, yeah. yeah. Um, I wonder why that is. Were they bad parents? They, I don't know. Like smacking them around. I don't much? know. I, don't I think know. well, they think they wanted to just explore that, but Luke didn't have any kids, so. No, no, no. I mean with Ben. No, and you know what? I think his name was Ben Solo in the in the old canon, but he was a completely different character. Like Kylo Ren wasn't a thing; it was just Ben Solo, and like they had oh. a, they had like two or three kids, and it was like a whole thing. Oh, why, um, why did there's a whole expanded universe that Disney just went just like erased. Oh, <laughs> well, maybe now they'll get into it. They're always they're yeah. always looking to um, expand shit. Why are Bruce and Vicky attracted to one another? <laughs> like she's hot and he's rich, but they have zero chemistry. Character-wise, writing-wise, acting-wise, like, they do not... That is such a forced why, romantic yeah, relationship. Yeah, why did that even happen? Because... I buy <laughs> I buy Elizabeth Swan and Jack Sparrow more than I buy this relationship. Because when, when they first met, she was literally, like, her and Knox were shitting on him for being so rich and, like, pompous and, like, having all this, like, like ancient shit yeah. but like oh because they're looking at stuff and they're like I wonder where this is from he's like I think it's from Japan it's like how do you how would you know I was like because hmm, I bought it in Japan yeah so it's like so now you ask her to dinner like or no she asked him I don't know they went on a date somehow and it's like that 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 turned you on like that that 
caught your attention? Her being an asshole? Like, <laughs> yeah, she, then on the first date, isn't there like a rule? I'm not trying to slut shame, but isn't there like an unspoken rule, like not on the first date? Or is that what? not a thing? Oh, that they that they slept together? Yeah. Well, that's like the rule, but I guess like, well, like the the general rule. I guess it's like, not really a thing but anymore. But like, I guess people do one night stands. So I don't know. I've never had a one night stand. I know, I know all of you think I'm a... You know, all our listeners here no, think I'm some kind of Casanova. No, we have two but... nightstands, one on each side of the bed. <laughs> all right, all right. But but I think seeing this such this forced romance really draw, like, raise the question, does Batman really need a love interest? Like... Well, no. But, I mean, I guess you could say if you bring Robin into it, it could be, like, his mom or something. That could be his... Why can't they just have a romantic relationship? Just a boy, just a man and his boy. <laughs> Why does he get a ward? That makes no sense. Why does he just randomly adopt a child? I don't because know. he's lonely? Because his parents died? He's like, yo, my parents died too. Isn't that why he does philanthropy work? Philanthropic um, work. Um, but we already had talked about, but yeah, Jack Nicholson, I think, is just perfect casting for this role. He's evil! Um, That's what I've been trying scary. to tell everyone. I think he does a really good job. Um, especially since there wasn't much to go off of. Like, now it's like, you have... Like, if you've been cast as a Joker in a new Batman movie, you have Jack Nicholson to compare yourself to, or fans will compare you to. Yeah. Heath Ledger, Jared Leto, like, mm-hmm. all these different actors. Who, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Mm-hmm. But back then, like, who was the other thing? Cesar Romero? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, so well, so he really did a lot to kind of establish, like, what the Joker but was is he, like. Maybe he read some comics. Was he like that in the comic books? No, yeah, I'm just saying, but how do you then... You know, like some of this, translated. some of this shit is fine on the page, and then you say it out loud, it sounds ridiculous and yeah, dumb, yeah. right? So, um, though I wish again they had done a little bit more. Like, if you're gonna give us a backstory, like give him a little bit more motivation. Like, it seemed like at the start they were setting up like this interesting like crime drama conflict where it's like he wants to rise to the top, but like he's like the number two guy, but Grissom yes, doesn't want him to. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I guess Grissom was played by a really famous like actor. Um, so you know when he's like, you are my number one guy. And he's like really dramatic when he says that to Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Apparently Jack, so Jack Nicholson later says that to his number one yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, That was improvised on set. Like he was just, oh, <laughs> sorry about that. I have the outro music set up in the like audio file and I have it around an hour and 45 minutes because that's usually roughly how long our episodes are. But we've been talking for so long that it just started playing. So I, I'm, I'm muting the channel, so we should be okay to go forward, but... Um, this is why I tell you to, to turn turn down your devices when we do this. I know, I know. Anyway, um, but what was, what was I saying? Oh, he improvised, like he was impersonating that actor. Like that wasn't in the script for Joker to also say that to his number one guy. Yes, yes, yes. He was just like, oh, Jack Parlance, who I think was the actor, like said it in such a funny way, I'm going to do it now. Yeah. Um, he, so I'm saying there was like this interesting thing, conflict right? where it's like he wants to rise to the top now. Yeah. But but then they kind of drop it after he kills Grit. Like, then it's just kind of like, whatever. Like. That That's a thing though, right? He's like, he's a good improviser. Some people are good improvisers. Jack Nicholson? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, because then he shoots him. Um, but, yeah, like, the story feels very much like... I never feel... I really never get to inhabit any of these characters. Like, it always feels like we're on the outside looking in. Um, I feel that way about Bruce especially, right? Like, I feel like we never really mm-hmm. 
get into his headspace. Um, what I what I thought was interesting was like the scene with Alfred and how like they were getting really personal and he was like telling like a cute little anecdote about like Bruce when he was a kid, but yeah. like we don't really get much else. Um, or or he didn't really have a personality. That's like, what I was trying really, to say. Like, yeah, his... we don't really get much insight into their relationship, um, which I guess is not a super big deal, but like I feel like that's kind of part of it because. You know that that those are that's his pseudo parent now. You know because like, um, basically raised him. Yeah. Yeah, because when did when does that happen? Like when he's like, like eight, eight, oh, eight yeah. or nine. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean he's so, and I mean he knows what he's doing, and I think in the Christian Bale ones he even comments like he's like, you know. We brought up you, those you, ones a lot. We, yeah. <laughs> you you, you can't compare. They 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 are probably the definitive Batman for yeah. better or for worse. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like everything is. Before, after, you you compare to Yeah, to that I mean, because we get insight into their relationship then, and he's like, dude, like, you're coming home at, like, 4 o'clock in the morning, covered in bruises, like, your lips all busted up, like, why don't you take a break? Like, are you okay? Like, <laughs> you know? Um, so it's just interesting to, to, just to have that one little snippet. Mm. And it not even really be a scene, because it's a push-in shot, so it's like, we... You know, he starts talking before we even see them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then not get much else. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I guess, like, when he's shutting the, the vault, but, I mean, that, I wouldn't say that was really deep. That wasn't a very long conversation. No. No. Um, I love how the Joker's plan is to put poison in cosmetic products. <laughs> and, like, personal hygiene, like, deodorant. Yeah. So then... No one uses makeup, so then all of the news anchors are ugly because the implication is that they're only, like, beautiful because yeah. they're always, like, even the men, like, he has all pimples on his face or whatever. Yeah, because the, the news anchors, they use makeup for, because the lighting is so bad, it's, like, so bright and stuff that... You need, like, the blush, even the dudes. Yeah, right? yeah, like, even the guys, they'll, like, do at least just a little bit, even for just, like, shine control or something. Because yeah. Because it's just, like, so much such light, yeah. bright lights on Because then you start sweating, and then the water is now shiny and Yeah, everything. yeah. <laughs> um, but again, it fits in this 80s, like, that's that's the evil plan to disrupt the economy. <laughs> it's like 80s consumerism. It's a shopping nightmare. I think someone says that exactly. It's a shopping nightmare. Um, yeah, because you don't know what it is. It's but apparently it's not just any individual things. It's like in combination. So it's like a bunch of like stuff. The shampoo is in poisonous, but the shampoo mixed with the deodorant mixed with the lipstick. Yes. Oh, my it's gosh. It's so diabolical. Um, also, since they say he went to school for chemistry, since when? The Joker? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't they know. Were like, like, what did they say? He was like, uh, chemistry and political science or something like I that? I don't know. I don't know. Or like sociology? I don't know. Something like that. I thought it was so strange. I was like, I didn't know the Joker was a scientist. It's, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, there, there's Prince music in this, but specifically the musical sequence when they're kind of jaunting around the museum and yeah. defacing the the paintings. Yeah. Um, it's just absolutely ridiculous. The, the camera work, the music, he's bouncing around. It's the camera's bouncing, he's bouncing. It's just, just to show how, how harmfully carefree he is. What would that be if they did that today? Would he be listening to, like... Like, what would he be listening to today that would be just as cringy? Because I'm sure that was uh, cringy back then, too. I don't know. That's a good question. Uh... Maybe, like, Ariana Grande. 
<laughs> yeah, like sort of something, <laughs> like something like trendy on TikTok or something. It'd just be like yeah. weird. Like, well, I mean, I wouldn't label Prince as simply trendy. It's like in Black Panther when it's like when they're like, "What are those?" And I mean, like the style <laughs> yes. of music. Like why? Like why? You know what I mean? Yes. It's, it's like, like you very much dated. Like even a year from now, this is gonna be really dated. <laughs> no, it was dated back when it came out. Yeah, that's what I mean. It was like trending like a, a year before, like two years before or whatever. Yeah. Um, where it was like really new and like funny. But at that point, it was just like, oof. Yeah. Ryan, why did you leave this in here? You could have easily taken that out. They literally put Carrie Fisher in the ninth Star Wars movie. She was fucking dead. <laughs> You're telling me you couldn't have taken out that one part when they say, where are those? Ah, they should have added Ch- Chadwick. Oh, R.I.P. Chadwick. Yeah. Rip. He got canceled. He, you know, he did get cancer. Shit. And now all we have left to remember him is what are those? Yeah, um, I love the Batmobile from. I, I love <laughs> different sick. Batmobiles from different movies. Like I think they all have their different charms, and they fit that version of Batman really well. Yeah. Like I like how the Robert Pattinson one. It's really just like a Cadillac, but like he souped it up. Yeah, it's, but it's this very, is probably the it's very Batmany. But this too. one's probably the most iconic, like yeah. the most comic booky. I think it's a huge inspiration for the animated series one. Like it's it looks like a shoe. Like, like this long, yeah, like kind of like a kind of like a uh, what is it? It's very Art Deco. Like this, and then the anime series is very much inspired by like Art Deco design, like like the like the curves, and then like the you know mm-hmm. with and then a perpendicular angle, right? It's a lot of that mm-hmm. kind of style. Yeah, whereas like the other ones were literally just cars. <laughs> um, because again, I think the things I like about this movie the most are like the, I think the aesthetic qualities, right? Like the Batcave is very spooky and expansive yeah. compared to just like the room in the serials and then like a laboratory in the Adam West one. Um, this one has like a lot of ambiance. Why? Why? It really feels like a cave is what I'm trying to say. Yes. Yes. That's true. And I think they do that later on too. Um, like oh yeah. It's the Christian- more cave-like and... and- yeah, that's where he keeps all his tools and mm-hmm. toys. His and toys, gadgets. yeah. Um, uh, but why does he have one bat in a cage when the rest are free? <laughs> that's true. I was wondering about that. Um, but also, yeah, it kind of looks like like Hermes' shoe, like Hermes. Who's Hermes? Hermes, the the messenger. Oh, 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 yeah, from Wait. the Greek mythology. Yeah, you know. I that- think it meant Hermes from Her- Hermes. From Rudolph, right? The elf, no! the gay, the gay elf who wants to be a dentist. No. Her, is it Hermie? With not, it's plus singular. Hermie, yes. one, one Hermie. One Hermie. <laughs> um, no, like Hermie doesn't want to make toys. <laughs> I want to be a dentist. <laughs> oh my gosh, you have so many cavities. Let me help you. <laughs> so silly. Um, he's like, oh, the the abominable snowman is nice now because I I took away his toothache. <laughs> it's so silly. Um, but no, like you know, like a like a shoe with like the wings on it. Yes, yes. yeah, yeah. So it, it's kind of like shaped like that a little bit, like very loosely. Um, cause it. How do you turn in that? It's so long. No, he he did the thingy. He did the grapple, and then he turned. <laughs> cause I'm thinking like I always think about that with like eighteen wheels. So it's like, how do you t- how, how do you turn at an intersection? Very carefully and and b- rather slowly, but I guess because he was in a chase, he couldn't do that, so he had to do the grapple. Yeah, and then he did that- a little Tokyo drift. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but he of course, whew, thank goodness there was a, a light post so that he could yeah. 
he could grapple it and then yeah. you know but then how did the grapple come up these are the questions these are the questions kid it's not that kind of movie also when he uses these things they're just out there now or do does he pick them up you know, like, like, what? <laughs> you know, like in. Like, He's just littering. He's just leaving a, t- a breadcrumbs. <laughs> you know, like in games, like I don't know if this happens in. Z- I think it happens in Zelda, right? Like, if you shoot something but it doesn't like hit anything, then you can go pick up the arrow, or you could just like not go pick up the arrow. Like, it might like disappear. Does he just like not pick up? I think he just leaves thing? it around. He just leaves it around, so children have like, like bat-shaped ninja stars, just like. <laughs> A public health hazard. There's just like there's just like shit on the black market. It's just like... no. um, <laughs> Does he have Alfred go and pick it up for him? Yeah. Um, totally unrelated. Can we talk about probably the most iconic line from this movie? You want to get nuts? Okay, <laughs> let's get nuts. From I could see maybe Batman saying that because it's very confrontational. Bruce, it's so out of character. That was so out of character. For for the Bruce that they've set up. Yeah. It's But it's become iconic, like, it's like a meme. Like, it's so ridiculous. Like, to the point, like, again, at the time of recording this, the new Flash movie hasn't come out, but it's supposed to have, like, the multiverse, and Michael Keaton is coming back to play, like, an older Batman. No. Um, and I think he says... Well, I'm, I'm really nervous about this movie just being, like, Michael Keaton just saying all the things from from no. the movie. Well, look at the trailer. There, he's like, you're, you're, he's like, I know. I'm Batman. <laughs> and then in the newest trailer, he's like, you want to, he's like, but he's just like dressed as Bruce Wayne. He's just like, he's like, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. <laughs> and it's like, but anyway, my point being is that like, it's become a meme. Like it's become a very iconic part yeah. of this movie. Um, but he didn't even say it like Bruce. Like he said it like a completely different. Character. He said like a crazy man. Yeah, like he like Bruce was nothing yeah. like that. With Michael Keane's little kind of like semi lisp. <laughs> I guess so. Um, oh, again, also kind of unrelated. But you were saying before, like, oh, you know, seeing your parents murder in front of you probably does something to you. Literally, one of the lines of the movie is like, "What do you suppose something does? So, what do you think something like that does to a kid?" I didn't say that. I know that. No, we were talking. My- my, that happened to my dad. What do you mean? D- d- no, I thought we were talking about it earlier. Like, you know, like, he's had gone through a lot of trauma. And it's like, but I don't think he would dress up like a bat. Oh, that... No, I, I didn't say... Why are you getting all defensive all of a sudden? I'm just no, saying... No, no, because obviously, yeah, that'll fuck a kid up. I, I think I was just saying, like, like in terms of... It's just funny where it's like, literally, do they know the half of it? Yeah. It's like, yeah, you, you want to know what it does to a kid? He decides to be a bat and fight people. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess because um, I, I think I was trying to touch on the the kind of, not force, but like the legitimacy that is trying to be given or that is given to Batman in, as opposed to like a ski mask dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Um, I will say that the, the murder of his parents, like that scene is, is pretty well done. Like I, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, like there's no music and like, it seems like they ADR and do so fully for all the sound effects. It's like... The like, pearls. Like the pearls, which is an iconic Batman thing. Like the grabbing of her pearls. Yeah. It's like a big... <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's like there's no sound, but then you like hear the per- like They like build it all. They build yeah. out the sound design. Like It's like very eerie, and it feels like a memory. Like it feels like... Yeah, that was good. And that's when yeah. we get introduced to Jack Napier. Napier. We don't know. We don't know. Well, no, I think the reason why we see the flashback is because... Joker says, "You ever dance? Do you want? Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight?" In, in the second one. 
Not in the first one. In the in, first one, it's just from behind. In the first what? In the first flashback. Oh, yeah, no, I know. I'm talking about... In the second one. Yeah, I'm yeah. talking about... I think that's what makes us see the second flashback is that Bruce hears that and he's like, is he the... He's like, yeah, that's what I always tell people before I kill them. No, yeah, it was... Yeah, it was a triggered memory. Yeah. yeah. Um, what? I know. What? What? Oh. What? 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 <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> um, <laughs> if you yell me one more time. <laughs> yeah, sure. If only there were four Shark Tale movies. Then we oh, could. that would be amazing. Um, if only there were three, or even two, but no, it was cut tragically short. Well, despite can... despite critical, despite critical acclaim and being the first movie to make a trillion dollars. Because well, because the the budget would be so big because you got all these stars, you know, like mm. Katie Couric and and the starfish. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, and like Will Smith and Robert De Niro. Well, I think you probably get Will Smith for much cheaper now. <laughs> And also after his after his Martin. controversy. Anyway, anyway, does everyone hate him now? I, I, he's simply defending his. I, no, no comment. I don't really care one way or the other. Uh, ten years—that's a big—that's a big thing for an actor. People will be like, "I was traumatized when I was there," and people were like, "What?" <laughs> not to not to be you know I mean, sure. not to not to minimize anyone's trauma, but like, really. I'm sure it's shocking, but I mean... Literally, at the 1973 Oscars, when Marlon Brando sent um, that Native American lady to accept his award, like, he refused to go. And basically, she made a speech about how, like, Hollywood has demonized Native American people. And literally, people booed. And John Wayne, you don't see it in the telecast, John Wayne literally got up, he wanted to fucking punch her. What? He had to be restrained. Because John Wayne was, like, super arch-conservative, like... Well, and he's also, like, the pinnacle, like, cowboy, so, you know... Exactly, like, he literally, like... Don't demonize my only But that's fine, but it's, like, it's, like... People, like, make it... It's it's about race, because it's, like... It's, like, when a black man does something, it's, like, always, like, the end of the world. But, like, if a white guy does it, it's, like, just just walk down the street in New York City, you'll see something much worse. Like, (laughs) you know, like... (laughs) Um, a slap ain't nothing. So yada yada yada. Um, things happen. Batman pursues the Joker. Then we end up at like this church, which is like fifty stories tall. So tall. Um, it kind of feels like the same ending as Beetlejuice, where it's like this like forced marriage all of a sudden. They like weren't getting married. Oh, it seemed like that because she was wearing like this white dress, and he was like, "We gotta go to the cathedral." Yeah, I guess so. No, but they they were. Also, when did she change into that? I don't think that's, that's what, what I'm saying. I don't think that's what she was wearing beforehand. Yeah. At first you was. think at first you think this movie oh god, this movie has this love triangle between Bruce and Vicky and and Knox. But really it's a love triangle between Vicky, Batman, and Joker. <laughs> but I, maybe she was wearing that the whole time, but I only noticed when they were in the ch- church and I was like, wait, when did she change into this? But no, they don't go to get married. They go up to the top because the Joker, he's he's got his goons to to come and pick him up uh in the in the copter, in the helicopter. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, he was like, "Oh, pick us up in 5 minutes." And then he looks up and he's like, "Actually, make that 10." <laughs> Cuz it's so fucking tall. <laughs> also, why is there this like crusty abandoned church in the center of town? Like they, yeah. like <laughs> That's like that's like taller than the World Trade Center. <laughs> this thing is so fucking tall. Batman comes in and he knocks 
over all the pews. <laughs> like, <laughs> like dominoes. Like they're not even bolted to the floor. It's all dusty. There's spider webs and the pews are falling over. Yeah. Why is this here? It's just. <laughs> why, why, is this, <laughs> why is this large building not being used? For any, for something. For anything. For even just worship. Um, it, it's, a, it's a pretty cool place for, I guess, a fight like. Like a like a fight of like a like a climactic battle. But he does. It, this is the second climactic thing in in a attic because in in Edward Scissorhands that one ends with the, oh, yeah. the attic too. Oh yeah. When he's fighting the boyfriend, yeah. Oh, he likes attics. Something always spooky's going on in an attic. Maybe he watched the graveyard from his attic. I don't know. Attics are spooky. Basements are scary. That's how I see it. <laughs> and no, I won't elaborate. Anyway, um, I think they're both bad. But yeah, that's the movie. Um. There's a lot of really good stuff, and then a lot of stuff that really annoys me. That's the thing. I don't think there's anything in this movie that's bad. It's just that there's a lot of stuff that just annoys me. That just makes it, like, unpleasant for me to watch. I'm sitting there just going, like, you know. (laughs) You know? Um, But do I hear some trivia? More? Well, that was that was just the research. This is this is fun stuff. What the fuck? Hurry up! Okay. You know what? Listen, we got episodes. We got Batman episodes that are gonna be like thirty minutes long. Uh, legacy modern. Ma'am, no. What? Why are you reading ahead? I'm only reading the the subtitles. Okay. Oh, man. These are funny. You love the trivia. You're a trivia you slut. You the thing about the logic free. I know. I I put it both by times by mistake. I'm skipping to the next one. You're doubling info. No, it was a mistake because I write the research months before, but I don't do the trivia until after we watch it, just in case if I haven't seen the movie before, so I don't spoil myself reading the trivia. But sometimes I'll double dip by accident because I don't remember what I did for the research. Wait, don't proofread your work? I don't want to read all... This was a lot of research. I don't want to read it again. (laughs) Michael Keaton was unable to hear while wearing the bat suit. He oh. said that this claust- that his claustrophobia claustrophobia helped him get into character and in the proper mood to play Batman. Oh. Quote, it made me go inward, and that's how I wanted the character to be. Um, I, that's how I wanted the character to be anyway, to be withdrawn. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. Oh, wow. um, Jack Sorry. Nicholson loved his performance in this film so much that at one point, he was watching the film once a week at his house. <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> In the film, the Joker has to mask his chalk white... This, this one's really cool, because I was wondering how they did this. So, yeah. in the film, the Joker has to mask his chalk white face by painting himself flesh-colored. Yes. In the script... Because in the world of the story, his skin is now white. Yeah. Right? But in real life, Jack Nicholson has white makeup on. So, how do you have him have skin color and then wipe off the skin color? Yes. Um, in the script, it was specified that the Joker would have to take the flesh-colored makeup off to reveal the white skin underneath, meaning the makeup effects team had to find a way to take off one layer of makeup while leaving another intact. I thought they would just, they would just have him in the, in the flesh-colored. Yeah. And then, and then not have white underneath, but just have, like, the rag have yes. white paint? Yes, I thought That's that, what I thought that's they did. That's what I thought. I thought that's why he used the rag was because it had that, white paint. That seems simpler, right? Yes. But that not but Nick Dudman, the makeup designer, did something different. He came up with a solution. Nick! They painted Jack Nicholson with white packs, P-A-X, paint, that they that they always used, and then put a thin layer of food grade silicon oil, which nothing sticks to on top of it. They then took <laughs> flesh-colored grease paint and painstakingly painted it where it was literally sitting on top of the oils. Then they airbrushed and faded it <laughs> to make it look natural. What the fuck? After soaking the Joker's handkerchief in 
isopropyl alcohol, Nixon, oh. uh, Nicholson was able to wipe at his face and he would strip off the grease paint but leave the white paint intact. Oh, wow. Isn't that, we- isn't that really cool? But also, just put some white no, no, paint but, on, no, on but, the brag. No, but you know what? They do, they do use it later on. So there's the rag, right? But then I think he either uses the rag more or he... I don't know. He just looked really sweaty, but he, I think he uses the rag more. And then they show him, and it's like it's like the skin-colored makeup. It's is, like streaking is, down his is, face. Yeah, yeah, like running down his face. I think um, that was just clever editing. Like, they were able to just make up his face look like that for that shot. I was thinking that, too. No, I think they probably, oh. like, ran some water or something over his face, right? Oh, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. But the streak, but if you did that, then the streaks would be flesh colored but the idea would be that the streaks are white because the streaks are where the paint the flesh colored no the streaks up. the streaks weren't white the streaks were flesh colored because the makeup he was wearing the joker was wearing was coming off was melting off uh, his face I see I see okay um interesting also ugh, that that's must have smelled then it must I think it was like a, he had spent a lot of time in the makeup chair every day yeah too ugh. We probably ate into it. If he could only, if he had in his contract only working eight hours a day. Hurry up. Okay. Yeah. Um, upon seeing the initial life size polystyrene model of the Batmobile, Tim Burton turned to art to the art director and said, "Great, where's the door?" The design team suddenly realized that the design lacked any doors, so that's why I think like the like it's like a sliding cockpit. Like he jumps in into it. Oh, uh, okay. Like he doesn't open a door. Yes, yes, yes. Um. For its first video release, the film was graded slightly lighter, as cinema audiences had complained that it was filmed so dark that they could hardly see what was going on. Yeah. So, that is the, it is a pretty dark movie, it's probably even, especially back then, for mm-hmm. them. Um, a scene was cut from the parade sequence where the crowd discovered that all the money that the Joker was handing out was counterfeit. In a follow-up to oh. that Joker's earlier line that he wanted, quote, my face on the $1 bill, ah. um, all the dollar bills that were thrown to the crowd had the Joker's picture um, on it in place of George Washington. Why'd they take it out? I don't know. And that's also why when they're in the... I think um, that'd be a funny one. That's also when they're going through the museum, there's an un- the, the famous unfinished Gilbert Stewart, who from mm-hmm. painted from Rhode Island. Um, oh. Gilbert Stewart painting a portrait of George Washington. He's yeah. like, oh, $1 bill. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's like this like through line about the $1 bill or something. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't have mind that through line. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have minded that through line. No, I mean, it's not like... Like I said, it would be funny, but like... Uh, yeah. I don't care if it's in it either way, but that's just interesting that that was the scene that they cut when it there was mm-hmm. something to relate it back to, as opposed to the whole fucking Vogue situation. I don't know. Anyway. Michael Keaton stated that the crew would tape basketball games for Jack Nicholson as he would come in and watch them the next day while his makeup was added. One day, when by his own admission Jack was so frustrated that no game was on, he turned on the only sport available on the four channel, the t- four TV channels in the UK, because that's where they filmed it. Mm. Um, and that game was the 1989 BDO World Darts Championship. <laughs> the next day, as he passed Michael on the set, Michael Keane on the set, he looked at him and asked, "How about that dart game?" To which both he and Michael burst out laughing. Why is he so obsessed with sports? I don't know. He likes sports. He loves b-ball. He does. He, he's a huge Lakers fan. He'll, he'll go and, like, just be, like, chilling and, yeah. <laughs> on, like, the court. Like, yeah. you know, they have, like, those seats. Court side, yeah. Um, Sylvester Stallone has cited this film as to what led to the de- to the decline of muscle-bound action stars from the 1980s. 
and a change in how action films were made. In an interview, he said, quote, it was the beginning of a new era. The visuals took over. The special effects became more important than the single person. I wish I had thought of Velcro muscles myself. I didn't have to go to the gym all those years. <laughs> all those hours wedded to the iron game, as we call it. <laughs> yeah, you should have just done, you should have just done prosthetics for Rocky. Yeah. You <laughs> He's fucking, was, he was swole. No, uh, yeah. Sylvester, so long. He's definitely probably like the fittest he's ever been in his life, right? I mean, like yeah. than anyone has been in their life. In the fourth Rocky, absolutely. When he's like, he looks like he looks like a statue. Yeah. He's fighting the Soviet guy. Um, the hooker in the opening scene. So yeah, so the opening scene we didn't talk about this is like. The first thing, we kind of follow like, this family who's, like, in out of town and, like, doesn't really yes. know how to navigate the city. And, like, they're the ones who get mugged. Yes. And Batman fights the muggers. But it's so funny because they're like, don't scream. And then the wife goes, ah! And she screams really loud. Oh, my God. That was so loud. Um, but anyway, yeah. so, but one of the things is they're walking by and the hooker, like, tries to yeah. proposition the, right? The hooker in the opening scene was originally meant to be a 14-year-old. Oh. She was also going to show, going to be shown casually chatting with a couple of cops, showing us how corrupt the Gotham police were even before meeting Lieutenant Eckhart, who we, oh. who, who's like a corrupt cop in the, in the movie. Yeah. Um, very, very brave for, I can see that happening in one of the newer ones, but. Interesting. Um. What is, what is with it, with the, with the young girls? Get over young girls. Young girls out of style. They, they ain't got no boobs. They ain't got nothing. They don't know about nothing. What, what's up with this obsession with young girls? Huh? What's wrong with ladies? What's wrong with women? Over the age of 18. Yeah. You know, we need the both sides this argument. We need to get someone who's in support of that. I'm just saying. To make I, it fair. I've never, I don't think you're being very fair. I've just never understood the attraction to children. Like, uh, <laughs> Hot take. <laughs> I'm barely attracted to children as a child. Little. We really should put some trigger warnings on. Sorry. Someone listening to this might have a traumatic experience and like even just hearing us talk about it could trigger them and they're gonna like their whole week is gonna be ruined now because listening to us. About what? I didn't say anything. A child abuse. I didn't say anything about child abuse. Oh shit. I just said it. (laughs) Oh no! That's what we're alluding to. Also, I was child abused. It's funny. Oh shit. It happens. I wasn't saying the I wasn't talking about anal contusions like iced tea or <laughs> anal, anything. Yeah, anal contusions. It's like she told me this guy gets his rocks off by looking at pictures of naked little girls. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't Iced tea always it's not a John Mulaney bit yes, where he's like he's always like you would think he would know everything about this because he's been working he's like yeah, he's someone who on, does this. Yeah, on SBU. It's like the specific like Division. Sexual violence, yes. But he's always so surprised. Like, you telling me that some guys like when the girls don't want to have sex? <laughs> Why are you shouting? <laughs> but I don't know why you're talking about this. Oh, because because the thing, what was it? With, with I think, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, too. Uh, about the, it was supposed to be a young girl. Or no. No, Marion. Marion was, was supposed to be like, like she wasn't going to be, gonna be like fourteen. 12. She wasn't going to be thirteen in the movie. But the idea was that when they had their affair, he yeah. was like twenty three, and she was like twelve. Yeah. What the fuck is a twelve year old doing having an affair? I, you know what I had at twelve? Math tests. That's what I had. Pimples and math tests. There's no time to be having affairs. Anywho. The, this weird thing that also in in pre-production there was talk of a young girl being sexually promiscuous and i think it's just 
a strange reoccurrence. That's all I wanted to say. Go to school, kids. Can, can, I, can I continue? Yes! Adam West, who played Batman in the 60s, admitted that he was disappointed that he was not asked to reprise the role in the movie. Keep in mind, he was 61 in 1989. <laughs> also, in his 1994 autobiography, he stated that, despite belief to the contrary, he was never asked to make a cameo appearance as Thomas Wayne, which I guess there was a rumor of that, adding that he would have declined the role if it were offered to him. So he's like, that never happened. But if it did, I wouldn't have done it. They, they could have asked him, either either for Thomas yeah. or, or even for Alfred. But but he, again, but he he, like he did kind of get his like chance to be back in it when. Well, yeah, but the animated one. But yeah. I think it'd be well, kind of a cute Easter egg if he was like Alfred or something. Well, you know something. I don't know if you know this. One of the things we're gonna do uh, in 2017, they got Adam West, they got Burt Ward, and they made not one, but two, animated mm-hmm. follow-up movies to the 60s show. What? And we're gonna watch those. So they they voice their characters. What? But to the 60s one, a follow-up? Yeah. What? I mean, it's not super plot-heavy, but I just mean, like, like it's they, they the characters are drawn, like, the the outfits. Yeah, like It's like yeah. it's meant to be, like, that's those characters. Huh. That's so we'll get to that eventually, like, but we still have a lot of other movies to get to. Yeah. Um, Good job, Bert, for not drinking too much alcohol that you die like the first Robin. Like the first Robin. People yeah. talk about a Superman curse. There might be a Robin curse. Oh, shit. Maybe that's why they're not in these movies. <laughs> No, people are just too afraid. They're like, we were dying to put Robin in. Because there's people are no too afraid. reason for him to adopt a preteen boy and then run around Gotham City fighting crime with him. If anything, that's child endangerment. And and the, what are they called? CPS or whatever. Should probably take him away because he should be studying or playing with friends down the street. Well, if they had friends to play down the street, except it's just a giant-ass mansion in the middle of nowhere, but he should probably be doing child things instead of beating up goons. Anywho. Jack Nicholson got into the habit of signing his Joker gloves and giving them away as gifts to visitors on set, much to the chagrin of costume designer Bob Ringwood. Ringwood then asked Nicholson to cease giving out the gloves, and although he promised that he would, he kept doing it. New gloves were constantly being made throughout the film. Ringwood estimated that there must have been hundreds of signed Nicholson Joker gloves. That's so annoying. Is, is Jack Nicholson a mean man? Mean or meme? Mean. No, but I'm sure well, he's... I mean... I think he's a meme. He, I mean, he's been... Wa- he, he watches his own movies weekly and then also keeps giving out signed autographs. I don't know. Poor Bob. Poor Bob. Um, he's just like, oh man, I gotta make more gloves. Um, there was no Amazon back then. He can't just get next day delivery. Yeah, this is going to be forever if you keep going on random tangents every time I bring up a trivia point. I'm sorry. You're like, just... this reminds me of the supermarkets. There's just so much to talk about. Um, Tim Burton remembers first meeting Prince um, on the soundstage of the Batcave. Oh, he came to set? I oh, guess so. Cool. Um, in 1989, Patrick McLean, a college student from Richmond, Virginia, won the engine-free prop... Um, offered an MTV's promotional, quote, steal the Batmobile contest. Ah. So he won like a, it didn't have an engine, but he like won the a Batmobile. Cool. He intended to loan the prop to local conventions and museums, but he had signed a contract preventing him from profiting off of its exhibition. Ah. Um, at one museum, the shift lever was stolen. Uh, the car was also taxable as property and led to an IRS audit. What? Eventually, due to mounting expenses from a motorcycle accident and all the prizes, $10,000 
assurance and premium, McClune was forced to sell the Batmobile at a paltry sum. Literally, fuck you, Warner Brothers, because you're you're gonna give him this thing that's gonna cost him a bunch of taxes, but he can't make, money make the money to pay said taxes. Yeah. Rude. Tim Burton was sick pretty much every day working on the movie. What? <laughs> Why? I don't know. Get some vitamins. Like I said, this is IMDb trivia. I give no way to verify any of this information. Tim, take care of yourself. Get some vitamin C. Get some smoothies. Um, Derma juice or something. I think this next bit just refers to like movie versions or like uh, just cinematic versions. This version of the Joker has the highest kill count of any Joker incarnation. Huh. Interesting. Warner Brothers considered Bruce Payne to play Batman so they could, in the marketing, have Bruce Payne as Bruce Wayne on their one-liner press marketing PR campaign. I guess Bruce Payne is an actor. Yeah, I think he's an actor. (laughs) I think they wanted to hire him just because his name was Bruce Payne. Oh, I thought it was just... I thought they were just doing that to, like, get around copyright. Okay, (laughs) it's a real man. (laughs) Uh, Bruce Payne has said that, quote, they drew up a very short, short list, and there I was on it. Obviously, I lost out in the end to Michael Keaton. Um... (laughs) This is the first Batman film to appeal to mature audiences, and as such, was given the PG-13 rating. Again, everything else, the serials, the Adam West, it was always, like, adults could enjoy, but it was always targeted to kids. Yeah. And not to say this was not, but it, it, the idea was that, like, it could also appeal to them, non-ironically. Like, yes. Like, Adam West, like, I like it because it's stupid. Like, I don't like it because I'm like, this is a really good portrayal of Batman. You know, yeah. like this one, you may not want your kid to see, or like it could be kind of dark, especially the second one. Supposedly, is like much darker. Yeah, or something um, like that. You know, Sam Ham <laughs> has who who wrote, who was one of the writers yes. has absolved himself from the sequence where Alfred leads Vicky to the Batcave, a move that didn't sit well with a lot of fans. Ham said the scene didn't come from him, and that probably from that scab, <laughs> um, and that the day Alfred let someone in the Batcave would be his last day of employment. She had already been there. But not. But she didn't know it was Bruce. I don't know why he brought her there in the first place. I think because he was like, he needs someone to understand him. No, the, Bruce. The fuck? Just drop her off at her place. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you bring it? What? Um, well, I guess my that last would tribute, be too but... obvious to the bad guys. I don't know. Drop her at the police station or something. I don't know. Here's my last trip point. Um, we already kind of talked about this a little. In the established Batman origin story, Joe Chill was the killer of Bruce Wayne's parents, not the Joker. But here's what did, here's the reason why I bring this up. Batman creator Bob Kane approved of the twist in the origin story of having the Joker do it, which is interesting. Saying that if the story had been planned out ahead of time, he would have likely made the Joker the killer also. Hmm. So kind of interesting. Yeah. He Again, I don't necessarily like that, but I think there is there's something... It's not bad. It's not that I dislike it. It's just a different... It's Now it's kind of entering soap operatic like you compared it to Shakespearean level of like poetic it's like a little too poetic I I think that would be it's like a writer being like look how poetic this is (laughs) yeah I I think it could be done if done well but I think that would be something kind of tricky uh I mean I guess sure we'll we'll compare it to the Robin thing um and so it might just come off as kind of silly um a lot of the times but I think that I think that could work in in some universes. I don't know about the whole pale moonlight dancing. Dancing like, in the moonlight. Like, like I don't know about having that corny ass line before you know. But what does even mean? But like something else maybe I don't know. That sounds like something you would say like 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 Johnny Cash would say to someone before shooting them in the West or something. Yeah, like <laughs> like, like something in a country song or like. 
Mm, Jeremy Kine, can I say that? I, I, I shot a man just so I could watch him die. What, in Folsom Prison Blues or something? I think that's one of his songs. He says that, but... Uh, he's walking um, lines. He's in... He, well, he never went to prison, but he, he watched a movie about prison and then wrote the song. Um, you know, he, yeah. He's John, John I think if we stuff. looked at the comparison, like the ratio of Batman t- stuff we're talking about to the overall episode, I think it's like 36%. Batman. Fuck you! So let's talk about the critical reception. So... Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has a 73%, which I was surprised it was much low. Like, I don't... I'm not a huge fan of it, but I thought other people really loved it, so I was surprised to see. These are at least critics. 73% gave it a positive review, and the consensus is, quote, an eerie, haunting spectacle. I don't know if it's really haunting. Uh, Batman succeeds as dark entertainment, even if Jack Nicholson's Joker too often overshadows the title character. They caught on to it, too. They caught on to it, too. <laughs> um, again, there's, like, that contemporary reaction. Comic book fans, like we said, reacted negatively over the Joker murdering his parents. Um, the songs written by Prince were criticized for being too out of place. Um, Burton said he didn't have a problem with the songs, but he was less enthusiastic with the way they were used in the film. Um, I thought the first two were fine, but then the one on the, in the credits seemed kind of off. It was, like, a love song. Yeah, it was, like, really weird. Yeah. Uh... And then, and then furthermore, Burton remarked, quote, like referring to the film, quote, I liked parts of it, but the whole movie is mainly boring to me. It's okay, but it was more of a cultural phenomenon than a great movie. So even he's just kind of like, nah, whatever. Look, if your director's saying it's okay, it's okay. Yeah, I mean, because unless you're someone like, like Tarantino, or I guess at this point, like, George Lucas, like, unless you have complete and total say over everything you're not gonna like you're not necessarily gonna like everything that's in the final product even though your name is on it you know like <laughs> um roger ebert who's like a famous critic mm-hmm. probably like, probably the most famous film critic ever um i ain't never heard of him <laughs> <laughs> well he was really famous because he, he had he with um gene siskel they had a show siskel and ebert and that's where the phrase two thumbs up comes from so basically, that's how they would rate them. Is like they would each decide they're giving a oh. thumbs up or thumbs down. So if a movie had two thumbs up from Siskel and Ebert, oh, I think I've heard of that. You, you, it's it's very ubiquitous. The yeah, two, yeah. Right. So no, I've heard of the two thumbs up. I think I've heard of that show. Yes, yeah, Siskel and the, the, the boys, the two doing men, the, yeah. doing the thumbs. I don't know if they're boys. They were pretty old. Uh, men. But um, but but Roger Ebert was pretty. Like, he's very insightful, but he was also very accessible. So that's why he's like really famous. But. <laughs> He was, he, when he reviewed it, he was highly impressed with the production design, but claimed, quote, Batman is a triumph of design over story, style over substance, a great looking movie with a plot you can't care much about. He also called the film, quote, a depressing experience. Um, I would agree with the first sentence. I don't know about the depressing experience, yeah, but, um, but yeah, I, I would, I would agree with that. That's a good synopsis. Yeah. But on Siskel and Ebert, his reviewing partner, Gene Siskel, disagreed, describing the film as having, quote, a refreshingly adult approach end quote, with performances, direction, and set design that, quote, draws you into a psychological world. Um, I agree with that as well. I disagree, Gene. Because I don't think it's psychological enough. I don't feel like we really get into the headspace of any of the characters. Well, maybe not performance. It's very, it feels like just set action design, figures. Set design, definitely, and direction. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, some, oh, oh, quite a few things, but not, I wouldn't say, like, the performances necessarily. Yeah. Um, in terms of more modern reception, on Letterboxd, it has a 3.6 out of 5. I think it's grossly over... I think it's grossly overrated. Um, here's some reviews. Matt Singer writes, quote, My favorite part of my billionth viewing of Batman... <laughs> is, 
When Joker's goons shoot Batman, rather than lift up his mask to see who he is, they decide to check if the man dis- dis- disguised as a giant bat carries photo ID. <laughs> like- Bob the goon literally says, check his wallet. Check his wallet? This is probably why he's Bob the goon, not Bob the theoretical physicist. <laughs> I, when they when he said that, I was like, "Does he even?" Have I thought he just pockets? meant like t- I thought he just meant like take his money, but I guess it's to find look at his ID. Like, Does he even have pockets to be holding an ID? Um, Jamel Bowie writes, "Quote: I just want to talk to Michael Keaton about his decision to play Bruce Wayne as an alien, completely baffled by ordinary human behavior." <laughs> um. <laughs> and then Karen H. writes, quote, The thing about Jack Nicholson as a Joker is that he's thick, with two C's. Oh. <laughs> um, That's true. He's not... Some of them kind of paint paint Joker as, this is not going to be so nice, I guess, to say publicly. This one's not going to be so but, nice. But, like, as kind of, like, crackhead skinny, like, like yeah. wiry type yes, of person. Yes, But Jack Nicholson, he's, he's... He's a pretty wider frame. Yeah, yeah. he's a medium man. Um, in the comics, he was always kind of, like, a scrawny... Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of the legacy of the film. So, Anton first to Peter Young won the Academy Award for Best Art Direction. Like, they won. Nice. Um, while Nicholson was... Nicholson was... <laughs> Nickinson. <laughs> Nicholson... Careful, was, was nominated for the Golden Globe Award for Best Actor, Musical or Comedy. He did not win. Oh. Only nominated. The success of Batman... Uh, this film prompted Warner Brothers Animation to create the acclaimed Batman the Animated Series. As a result, beginning the long-running DC Animated Universe, so like stuff like Batman, the Superman show, the Justice League show, like these were all like, before the MCU, this was like in a interconnected continuity yes. with all these characters. Yeah, super pets now. That's unrelated. Uh-huh. Um, and, help, and it also helped establish the modern day, this film also helped establish the modern day superhero film genre. Siri, the animated series co-creator Bruce Timm stated that the television show's Art Deco design was inspired from the film. Tim commented, uh, Tim as in Bruce Tim, not Tim as in Tim Burton. <laughs> Tim, Tim is with two M's. Bruce Tim is his last name. They movie. can't see the Tims. That's what I'm, ta- that's what I'm saying it. <laughs> uh, Bruce Tim commented, quote, our show would never have gotten made if it hadn't been for that first Batman movie. Um, nice. So it was really influential. Um, Burton joked, quote, ever since I did Batman, it was like the first dark comic book movie. Now everyone wants to do a dark and serious superhero movie. I guess I'm the I'm the one responsible for that trend. Because again, like there hadn't been many superhero films before this, and the ones that were were Superman films, and those were always pretty light-hearted. And yeah, I guess so. The fact that his entire planet gets blown up, but yeah, Superman's very light-hearted. Come on, it's not bad. It's not dark. <laughs> his entire species is eradicated. Reflecting on the 20th anniversary of its release in a retrospective article on Salon.com, film comment commentator Scott Mendelson noted the continuing the continuing impact that Batman has had on the motion motion film industry, including the increasing importance of opening weekend box office receipts, um, the narrowing window between a film's debut and its video release that caused the demise of second-run movie theaters, um, and the accelerated acquisition of pre-existing, pre-sold properties for film adaptations that can be readily leveraged for merchandising tie-ins. Uh, the primacy of the MPAA PG-13 is the target rating for film producers. And more offbeat, non-traditional, non-traditional casting opportunities for genre films. So it's pretty influential for yay, all those Tim! reasons. Um, for better or for worse, though. Some of those things aren't good. I don't want to yay Tim. Well, it, it, Destroying the second-run movie theater. No, no. It said, it said, oh. No, oh, I thought because it, this, it caused that. So one of the things that it did was demise, it, the, so. the window between a film coming on theaters and then it being released on video shrunk. Yeah. 
But a big thing, you still kind of have them, but a big thing back then, especially before home media, was you had like second run theaters. So you would go see a movie that came out like a year ago. Right? Um, But those theaters basically fell apart once video became a thing and video came out so soon after the movie was out in theaters. Well, now now you can do uh, all run theaters now. So it's not just second rate. That's a limited market, right? So now you got the new, the reruns, and then also like the classic bringer backers, you know? The classic bringer backers. No, but you only see movie theaters bring back old movies if it's like a movie everyone really likes. Second run theaters would take the movies just the slate. Like whatever was released in theaters, they would just then get it nine months later and now show it. Like they're not showing like classic. Like when you go to Alamo Draft House, yeah, they're going to show old movies. They're not showing random shit. They're showing stuff that they think people will want to come to and like. Well, I'm saying seen. they have the opportunity to do that. They, they do. Like to because, they never take it. Because I think the, uh, the second run is a bit of a limited uh, market. It's, but not back then. This is the change is what I'm saying. Is that it's, it's a limited market now because of video. But before that, it was a bigger thing. Um, but see, we talked about, again, that the idea that you leverage the identifiable nature of the property to leverage that for merchandising potential and make and make money. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember which ones exactly it was, but I, I mean, I've heard of films specifically changing in, like, characters and, like, you know, in order to be more merchandisable. Yeah, because Star Wars obviously was huge for merchandising, but that was, like, an original movie. Whereas, a lot to- whereas this was, like, the first where it was, like, we are going to use the fact people know what Batman is to yeah. sell a bunch of merch. Yeah. Before the movie even comes out. Yeah. As opposed to Star Wars, like, the merchandise exploded, but not until May 1977. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To the point that they hadn't made enough of, like, the box set of toys. Oh, didn't they? They sold paper. They basically sold, like, a certificate. Yeah, it was on back order for a long For time. Christmas, because it wasn't ready for Christmas. <laughs> so they were like, buy the certificate, and then, like, when we have them ready, you can get it. Yeah, what if they never <laughs> And call? it worked! Yeah. And people bought it. Did they call back? Did they get it? Yeah, I think. Oh, yeah. I well, think they so. better have or that'd um, be some some shadiness. Okay. This has been this is this might be our longest episode. Favorite part. What's your favorite part of this well, movie? Well, Tim makes good stuff, you know. Um favorite part. Okay. Um Oogie Doogie. I I did enjoy watching The Joker. Um I I, I was watching you and I, I, and I enjoyed think it. I would say maybe the production design, yeah, um, and the yeah. like Gothaminess, and it's like very steampunk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think immediately when I saw it, it, it did like transport me into Gotham. Mm. like it was its own thing, yeah, you know. Um, so yeah, so I think I'm in the same boat, like I'm, I'm kind of torn between, yeah, like the, the mise en scene, as it were, mm-hmm. um, and Jack Nicholson's performance. I think there have been better Joker performances. Like, it's mm-hmm. not... But it's... I don't think it's Academy Award winning. I just um, think... Maybe Golden Globe winning. I just winning. think in comparison to Michael Keaton. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. It's just, I think it's Sorry, like... Sorry, sir. It's just funny because the contrast is like... You have, like, dream casting... Mm-hmm. Next to terribly mis... Uh, wrong casting. Okay, I wouldn't say terribly. Jeez. He's just wrong for this character, I think. You don't have to go 50,000 on him. I'm going fifty. I'm going fifty thousand on them. Fifty thousand and one now. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, Viviana, one out of ten. What are you giving this movie? Well, on Letterboxd, I gave it three point. Yeah, wait, hold on. I've so, been noticing. What? You've been rating them before we talk. 
Yeah. I feel like I don't rate them. I, I talk about it and then decide the score, and then I put the score on my old thing. And also, it looks like you gave it a 3.5 out of 5, a 7 out of 10. Not a 3 out of 5. I did give it a 3.5. Let's, shall we go to Letterboxd? I saw it the other, I saw it earlier. I said 3.5. No, oh, uh, I think it said 3 out of 5. No. Oh, it's not, oh, sorry. Continue. You're proving me wrong, trying to prove me wrong over half a star? Half a star makes all the difference. Anywho. So that would be a 7. She's giving it a 7 out of 10? No, I think I'll give it a 6. But you could change your score. Well, I'm, this is my, this is my podcast score. It was for the same viewing. No, I know, but this is a different measurement. Why? Because this is out of ten. But it's, it's you can multiply. No, I know. It's equivalent. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I, yeah, but this is post-evaluation. That's why you shouldn't give it a score. It's my after-watching evaluation. Uh, Okay. So you give me a six. So okay. it's like a, it's like two evaluations, like okay. double the viewing, but without the second viewing. Oh, okay. So you gave the two serials both sixes. You put Batman and Robin mm. better than the horribly racist Batman. Of course. So where does this fit in? Is it better than the, both of those two? Um. Uh, yeah. I. You don't seem so sure. Actually, you really like Batman and Robin. Actually, you know what? <laughs> Yeah, let me change that to a seven, actually, because I, I just... Do you I, think it's good? Yes. Then I, it's a seven. I know. I just, I don't know. It seems very high, but then also a six seems very low, so I don't know. Um, I'm going to put this, well, you, you, I guess, above Batman and Robin. Well, yeah, because um, you gave the Adam West one an eight, and you gave Batman and Robin a six, so this is seven. It goes right in the middle. Oh, I did the other one an eight? Yeah. <laughs> So you're giving this a seven. Okay, yeah. So it's that automatically we'll place it there. Um, it's gonna be really interesting when we watch like twenty or thirty of these, and it's like, how do we place them and stuff? And oh yeah, we're gonna. We'll just look at it by the score, right? So all the sixes have to be below all the sevens. Well, do you do you post on more than just Instagram? I post on my Facebook and. And Twitter and stuff. Yeah, I I, oh, okay. I share the episodes. So yeah. We might have to share our lists at the end. I usually put it in the episode description of the retrospective Okay, episode. Yeah, yeah, because... because also, because I refuse to change the script in case we ever want to use it. I don't know if you've ever tried to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I've stopped... I haven't posted on Twitter since, so like, our third episode. <laughs> well, because Twitter has become a hellhole. And also, yeah. like... And also, like, I wasn't getting any... And also, like, I just wasn't getting any feedback or response because, on it. Because you're on Twitter all the time. So you might as well just flip over to the other account. Uh, it's a whole thing, but anyway, so I'm gonna give this film. Yeah, what do a, you think? I'm gonna give it a six out of ten. It's, okay. I think it's okay. I think it's a net positive. There's stuff I definitely like, but if if I if I never saw this again, I wouldn't be ecstatic, but I wouldn't be upset. So I'm just kind of like yeah, whatever. So, you said that before. Yeah, so yeah. I gave Batman and Robin a six. I think this is better by nature of it just being like a movie mm-hmm. and not like a four hour like installments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm gonna put this. This would be my number two. Oh, um, mine too. After yeah. So this is both of our. I think we have the same exact ranking right now, just different scores, but the ranking is exactly the same. The order. Oh, so so right now your ranking. Once we get to too many films, I'm not gonna read it. But no, right now your ranking from worst to best is. Racist Batman, Batman and Robin, Batman 89, mm-hmm. and then Adam West Batman. Mm-hmm. And mine is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
yeah, I feel like right now we're we're kind of in lockstep right now. So I'm interested to see how that starts to to maybe divert from one another. Um, but what was I saying? Oh, I know what I was saying. That's it for this week's episode of Now That's What I Call a Franchise. What? Next week, what? Next week we'll be watching the next film in the franchise, the 1992 film Batman Returns, and we will return as well. Viviana, where can they find us? <laughs> well, as we said, even though I don't post at one of these places. Well, maybe if you get more involved. You're the social media no, person. No, no, the listen. I'm talking to the listener. Oh, I thought you were gonna chastise me. No, I'm saying if the listen, if you guys get more involved. Then, then maybe we'll do some more stuff, you know? But right now, it's too extraneous for no little to no return. Anywho, uh, but you guys can find us wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Franchise Podcast. We know you have many podcasting options, and we thank you for choosing us. Peace out, guys. Later.